Metallica. Here they come, the kings of metal. Hey everybody, I'm Lizzie. And I'm Joe. We're from the band Hailstorm. And you're listening to Middle Up Your Podcast. We we make this cool. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 130, and we're going to be talking to our friend Dan Cantor, who we've mentioned a bunch on the show. We uh, He won a Justice box set. Mm-hmm. He's uh, done all sorts of amazing stuff in music. Yeah, I mean, his resume is is totally insane. He's a huge Metallica fan, and uh, he's a big Metal Up Your Podcast fan. Yeah, that's kind of how we got to know him. I mean, he was just uh, someone that listened to the show and, and sent us an email and uh, I think one of our listeners sent us a clip of him when he worked with Justin Bieber, and right. it was just like, wait a second. I think a lot of you guys listening will be surprised when, he, when we get into the conversation with Dan uh, about how these two worlds collided. Two worlds colliding. But, you know, uh, also to kind of open up your, your mind about, you know, someone you might think, oh, they're not into Metallica. They, they've played for Justin Bieber. They've played for Julia Michaels. They've uh, co-written songs with all these pop artists and production stuff. There's no way they're a Metallica fan, but no, he's no joke. I mean, he's seen over 20 shows. Um, you reminded me when you said open up your mind of that scene in Total Recall. Open your mind to me, Quaid. Open your mind, Quaid. Open your mind. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of his uh, Wikipedia page to contextualize people for what he's done. I mean, uh, if, you've, if you've been near a radio in the last 10 years, yeah. you've heard something that Dan's done. Right. Um, it says he's a multi-instrumentalist, music director, performance coach, and multi-platinum selling songwriter from Toronto. He was the MD and lead guitar player for Justin Bieber for eight years. Yeah. Uh, he wrote and produced numerous songs and albums, most notably co-writing and co-producing the song Be All Right on Bieber's album Believe, co-producing Bieber's albums My World's Acoustic and Believe Acoustic. He directed and performed, listen to, listen to this list of people, Stevie Wonder, Carlos Santana, Miley Cyrus, Shawn Mendes, Drake, Bob Weir of The Grateful Dead, of course, Ariana Grande, Logic, the rapper, mm-hmm. uh, Usher, Julian Michaels, Keith Urban, Mike Gordon, John Fishman of Fish, and he's a huge Fish fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a judge on the Canadian version of American Idol singing competition called The Next Star, the CBC music competition TV show Searchlight, and he's the host of the CBC show Guitars in Hand with Dan Cantor. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, his resume is ridiculous. I mean, it's it's the kind of resume that like a lot of people, that especially come to Nashville, like hope to have one day. And Absolutely. Dan's in his 30s and has that kind of resume. I mean, it's pretty insane. Um, and he's a great guitar player, too. And, and uh, when he came through playing with Julia Michaels, opening for Pink, he got me some tickets. My wife and I went and saw it. And it was just an amazing show. And yeah. you all are going to hear from him soon, recently. Recently. Re- you're going to hear from him soon-ish. recently. <laughs> uh, and you're going to hear what a cool cat he is and how much he loves music, how much he loves Metallica. He got to hang out with Lars after the Copenhagen show, which we're yeah. going to talk about. He's gotten to meet James a few times. Yeah, he's, I mean, it, it, his level of fandom is, is is deep. I mean, it's not just like... He he has all the records and, and he goes to a show here and there. I mean, like I said, he's he's met the guys a couple of times. He's been to twenty plus shows. 
He knows his stuff. He, he is a Metallica fan through and through. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone to hear the interview. We just got off the phone with him, and it was a lovely conversation. Recently. Before. <laughs> God damn it. I was going to edit that out, but now that it's becoming a thing, we'll, it's just, a th- we'll it's, just leave it's, it. You know, it's recently become a thing. You motherfucker. <laughs> All right, before we get to talking with our friend Dan, we're going to do a little bit of the housekeeping. Uh, we're on iTunes and Patreon. You can listen wherever you hear the stuff, but it really goes yeah. a long way if you take the time to leave us a positive review on iTunes. We've got several hundred over there, yeah. and uh, I want to thank everyone that's already left a review. It Very really nice. goes a long way for us. There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of Metallica podcasts out there. Right. So when people are click-clacking their way through and trying to figure out where to camp out for a minute, those reviews give them a good pointer, yeah. a good map for where exactly. to start. Uh, if you want to support the show on a deeper level, like our friend Dan Cantor does, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash metal up your podcast. You're going to hear a commercial about that later. Uh, at the bare minimum, we, well, we give away a bunch of stuff like the box oh, sets. Yeah. We just gave out two tickets to SNM2. And uh, you're going to be eligible for all sorts of gifts and stuff that we give away over there. At the bare minimum, we give you a shout out on the show. We got a bunch of new patrons. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read some of these? Yeah, sure. We got uh, Michael X. Krusty, uh, Nick Cohn, Charlotte Blythe. Paul Nuremberg, Daniel Lundstrom, Austin Maddox, and Mark, Mike Garcia increased his pledge. You guys, wow. You guys make the Metal Up Your Podcast machine go. You all know that by now, how grateful we are for all of your support. That's right. And I would encourage you, if you're able to, it's basically five bucks a month, which isn't much. I, I support other podcasts with that level of, of patronage. And uh, anything cool we're able to do, it's really possible because of that. Whether Absolutely, it's, yeah. Whether it's making t-shirts or making these cover our world black and EPs, which by the way... Oh, by the way... Cover Our World Black in Volume 3 is basically one day away from being done. Yep. My songs have gotten the green light. You've got a couple of quick little notes, I think. Yep. Our friend Nathan Thomas is mixing them today. He's, he's putting the final mixes today. Yeah. We finalized the artwork. And to get everyone excited, I think we're going to drop this on August 1st, which is just in a few weeks. To the patrons, yeah. So I think for a, the next few weeks, we're going to play two songs each. For, right. So this episode, we're, we're, I think we're going to play each uh, of our Nirvana songs. Right. The, the first two volumes of Cover Our Black and which are available anywhere you get music, yeah. uh, we encourage you to buy it from our website or iTunes, but you can also stream it on Spotify or whatever the fuck. Um, those were all Metallica covers where we yeah. took largely deep cuts, reimagined them, slowed them down, made them reggae, changed them all up as a way to say thank you to the patrons. The patrons get those exclusively until the next volume comes out. Uh, so the patrons are the only ones who are going to get volume three until volume four is ready. Right, exactly. And this one we decided something different just for fun. I mean, we went with like basically a theme of like kind of early to mid 90s. Mm-hmm. I hate to use the word grunge era because all those bands sound so different. But, yeah. but you know, that era of the early 90s, uh, <clears throat> really it's the, it's the Seattle sound. Well, so we each did a Soundgarden song, a Pearl Jam song, a Nirvana song, and a, an Allison Chain song. We're going to play our two Nirvana songs to, on today's episode. After the emails, you'll hear Ethan's, yeah. which you did, uh, Territorial Pissing. That's right, yeah. <laughs> what a name. Uh, and then we'll end out the episode with my version of Come As You Are, and I tacked on Planet Caravan onto my version. Right, Because it was yeah. in the same key and had the same vibe. Right. Um, that's going to be exciting. So stick around uh, to hear that. If you like what you hear, go sign up and be a Patreon. A patron, and you will get Cover Roll Black in Volume 3 the day it drops. Yeah. You'll also get uh, Volumes 1 and 2 for free. Mm-hmm. You'll get Lunar Satan demos, which yeah. the Lunar Satan record is shaping up for the fall. Yeah, man. And um, we're looking at putting it on vinyl, which is going to be that dope. That would be so awesome. You also can go to our website, MetalUpYourPodcast.com. We have our Dagger logo shirts and our OG logo shirts. Those are easy ways to support the show, too. Mm-hmm. The 20 bucks, you get a shirt. Maybe you don't want to become a patron, but if you want to buy an EP and a shirt, uh, that goes a long way also. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to check in with the Metal Up Your Podcast family that's becoming and has become 
one of the coolest parts of this job mm -hmm. is all of the friends that we've made, like Dan Cantor, for yeah. example, doing the show. And uh, we read five emails a week. We're going to do that right now in what we like to call the, the email, email corner. corner. All right, our first email is from just plain old Raymond. He says, my guys, my goodness, the Lunar Satan Jam on episode 129 is an absolute monster. I was wondering if you're doing anything else to raise funds for the album. Uh, well, thank you, Raymond. I'm glad you dig the song. We, uh, I looked into this thing called Q... I think... Oh, I can't even think of what the company's called, actually, right oh, now. Oh, it's called Crate. spelled with a Q. Q, Q think, rates? Right? Yeah. Q, Q rates. rates. Yeah. It's basically a, uh, a way to press vinyl without having to pay anything up front. So what I'm going to do is, when the album's ready to rock, uh, I'm going to do everything through them. It's kind of the way we do our t-shirts through Everpress. Yeah. And uh, you you basically do pre-orders, and I think we have to sell a hundred before they'll press the vinyl. Yeah. So if we get a hundred, if, uh, if however many want this on vinyl, and we can get a hundred copies ready to go, then they'll start pressing it. And I'm trying to keep the cost. Like I'm not trying to make money off of this. Of course not. Yeah. And you know, I think all of our listeners know that. What I want more than anything is just for our fans and Lunar Satan fans to have this. I'll pre-order one. So um, I'm trying to keep the cost super low, but just you know, the way to go about this is just it it. You know, to, to print the cover, which Nick McCoviak's helping me do a bitch and cover to make sure that the sleeve is of good quality, that there's a spine. There's mm -hmm. all these like, I don't want to make a shitty thing. No, of course not. So um, from the mock up that I've done, um, it's looking like it's going to be around 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, the, well, and, and just so everyone knows, I mean, you know, what are you doing? Five songs EP? It's going to be five, six songs. Yeah. Okay. Six songs to an EP. I mean, yeah. Initially, maybe twenty bucks sounds like that's a lot for an EP, but I mean, the cost of vinyl is is not cheap. I did three hundred of my last record, mm -hmm. and per album, the cost of that is almost eight bucks. Mm -hmm. Now, less than that, the cost is going to go up. The more obviously, the more you order, the less you know, the more the cost goes down. So yeah, um, I mean, the cost for these. So if I'm selling them for twenty, honestly, the cost is like around seventeen bucks. Yeah, well, especially because, I mean, it's you're not paying out of pocket, you know? Exactly. So there's not really any money to be made on this. It's just for the pure enjoyment of people to have a tangible copy of the Lunar Satan EP in their hands. And this, and this is going to be a total souvenir of this podcast. It's going to be something you can touch and hold that was, you know, the idea for the band happened on the podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. I wrote it while we were doing the podcast, and uh, once they're gone, they're gone, and it'll be something I can give my kid later that you can put on. By the way, also, good news, the songs are bitching. Yeah. So, um, at least Raymond thinks so. We got one, you have two pre-orders, me and Raymond. I think we can get to 100, and I think if you... I think so. I think if we exceed 100, they'll press whatever it is, so... Yeah, it has minimum, minimum is 100. Right, so, you know, if you guys can just be thinking about that in the fall, it will be around 20 bucks, but that's, but that's because I'm having it mastered for vinyl, mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, I, I'm trying to see if I can do a colored vinyl, yeah, that'd which be cool. would be really cool. And uh, anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, thanks, Raymond. Paul Nuremberg is a new patron, by the way, says, Hi, guys. I felt so guilty for listening to you guys for so long and not interacting or supporting the show. That's old news now. After all, it does feel like you're some of my old time buddies. It's also worth mentioning how much you've improved the show in terms of fun, knowledge and geekiness. You guys have a really amazing synergy. So much fun to listen to you. Always get looks after a big laugh in planes. I really appreciate your initiative for making such a great show. I'm a father of three working offshore in drilling rigs. I have a band, and I know how difficult it is to put in all this effort. I love Metal Up. God bless you guys, Paul. That's cool. P.S. If you guys are one day considering coming to Vienna, your room is ready in my house. We can jam in my garage studio. 
and I can cook some Brazilian and Austrian food. Wow, that Holy sounds shit. delightful. That's almost worth buying the plane ticket right now. Vienna is, have you been to Vienna ever? I have not been, wait, no, I have not. Austria, it is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. I loved it there. In Vienna, we have the most beautiful bitches. And uh, we also have Arnold Schwarzenegger from, he's from Austria as well. <laughs> Mr. Universe pumped me up. This is not an Austrian accent. <laughs> no, it's Torben. Yeah. <laughs> It's get, not a tumor. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> get your ass to Mars. <laughs> Open your mind, Quaid. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Uh, next email is from Daniel Lundstrom. It says, uh, hey, guys, my name is Daniel. Big fan of the podcast. Been, listen, been listening for a little over a year now. And I recently became a patron. Been a Metallica fan since 2003. And I've seen them live six times. The most recent was in Gothenburg just yesterday. Uh, first gig I saw uh, with the boys was back in 2007 in Stockholm. When I also won meet and greet, a meet and greet pass, which was really cool. I even ended up uh, on their... Um, Met on tour video. Oh, Met on tour. I was like, what is this word? You silly goose. Well, there's no space in there, whatever. Uh, Met on tour. I was like, Minotaur? Minotaur video? Uh, I was recently featured on a Minotaur video. Have you seen it? It's amazing. Half man, half donkey. <laughs> Lives on Mars. The <laughs> um, on tour video uh, for that day, and it was insane. Anyways, just wanted to say, love the podcast so much. Keep, up, uh, keep doing what you do. Best podcast out there. Thanks, Daniel from Sweden, Sweden! Las Vegas, Nevada, New Jersey. Uh, thanks, dude. Really appreciate that. Sasha Middleman, who you recently did a Metal Tales with. Yeah, right? yeah, she was awesome. So she wrote in, and she, I think she has some follow up stuff from your episode with Sasha. Okay. okay. Um, by the way, the Metal Tales from the Road series is something that we do exclusively with patrons, where you can sign up for a show that you're going to on the current Worldwide European tour. We still have some dates available in Australia and New Zealand, which, by the way, I tapped old um, Sarah Sobek to do some because she's going to be going. She has a black ticket for the Australian and yep. uh, New Zealand gigs. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but even if you miss out on this current tour, when the tour is over, we're going to be doing Metal Tales from the Road for any show you've been to in the past. We already have a list that's like 25 people long. Another... Uh, just another incentive for mm -hmm. the Patreon over there. That's right. Another thing that we did today that you're going to hear is whenever we have a guest like Dan Cantor or Hailstorm or Jay Weinberg, or Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Michael Lago, Michael Ray Wagner, Burton. we let our patrons ask them questions. Right, yeah. So uh, Ray Burton, we did it also, yeah. yeah. And, and that's going to, when we do inevitably have Lars on, for example, we are going to let the patrons ask the boys questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's just another reason to go get on the train, support the show, and another uh, way that we can say thank you. So Sasha writes in, Hey, Clinton Ethan, when I was on Metal Tales last month, I was assigned to revisit the video to Until It Sleeps and the Loads. I have completed these tasks. Interesting. Uh, she says, I will say I've come around to really like Until It Sleeps by way of S&M. I didn't like it in 96 because it sounded derivative of grunge. However, like a number of Metallica songs, it sounds way better performed live. Rewatching the video, I still find the squirming gold thing makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> which I would argue is the the goal of that scene. Yeah, I think so. Um, I wonder why I still find that gold thing to be so <laughs> repulsive. I suppose 23 years later, I can accept Kirk's Dave Navarro look, the excessive rubbing, and the general Bjorkiness, but the video would buy, be way better if Lars was wearing the red guy tights and got stuffed into the frog's mouth. <laughs> He kind of gets painted red, but it isn't clear if he's getting eaten by the frog or one of the other red guys. As much as I appreciate Lars, I would be amused by seeing him get stuffed in a frog's mouth. Well, who would? That sounds very guar. It is very guar, <laughs> yeah. except instead of a frog, it's like a, it's like a weird eel with teeth, you know, a yeah. mouth of teeth, and you're getting probably sucked into hell. It sounds or... like the it sounds like you're describing a demagogue from uh, <laughs> from Stranger Things. 
I just finished season two last night. I got to get on season three now. I haven't seen season three yet. I, yeah, I, I, uh, sl- I don't know why I slept on season two and I just finished it last night. And I'm like, God, this is such a good show. You know, my it's wife, so my wife reminded me, I was like, Hey, season three's out. And she's like, you know, she's like, you realize every time we watch this, we say we don't like it. I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. We always get to the end of it. We're like, did we like that? And we kind of are like, nah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been having fun watching it. You're in good company because it's a huge, huge hit. Oh yeah, I mean, everyone loves is. it. I just there is a scene in the new one where mm-hmm. uh, we get a little uh, get a little four horsemen in the soundtrack. Well, and uh, one of the dudes has a uh, kill 'em all poster in his bedroom. That's the, that's the scene. Yeah. Oh, okay, right yeah. on. Cool. So he's listening to four horsemen. He's listening to four horsemen. Yeah. Get it, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the upside down, the upside stranger down. things, stranger things. You know uh-huh, what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, she says, I spent some time listening to The Load. Certain songs I wasn't feeling in the 90s sound better to me now that I've heard them live. Memory is fantastic. Fuel doesn't suck. There are a few songs I kind of like listening to just because it's Metallica, and there are still a few that are totally cringy to me. I'll keep them in my shuffle rotation to see what grows on me. Thank you for encouraging me to give The Loads another chance. I still wish to sweep St. Anger under the rug, however. Fair. Fair enough. Okay. Back to my conversation with Ethan about what I would say if I encountered James Hetfield on the chairlift or at a gas station in Vail. She says it could happen. I have a new plan. I will give an elevator pitch proposing the next tour opening acts, Lunar Satan and Haunt. I'm loving Trevor William Church's shred right now. If that comes to be, you're welcome. Well, I guess we heard it here first. If Sasha gets me on uh, a Metallica tour with Lunar Satan, which you're going to play drums in, by the way. I was going to say, I better be on stage with that. um, Or maybe you'll just be a writhing gold thing. Maybe I'll just take the Hieronymus Bosch vibe of the Until It Sleeps video, and you'll just... I'll have you shoved into a frog's mouth or something. Or I could be I dress up as like a frog slash demagogue thing and like come around stage and eat everyone as the show is ending or something. I, I would love for the show, honestly, to end with you being a frog demagogue and you eat all the band members one by one. And there's just, just a bunch of fake blood all over the stage. And then you spit and... out the bones. Perfect. Uh, following my appearance on Metal Tales, I've received some friendly overtures from other female fans of the show. This is super exciting to me. As I mentioned, I've always wanted female metal friends, so thank you for that. I hope to meet them in real life at SNM2. Clint, uh, it looks like you might be coming to Boulder on July 20th. If that's so, I'd love to swing by and say what's up. I live just about a mile from the Fox. Best, Sasha. Oh, you're at the Fox? I I haven't seen that. I guess we are at the the Fox, which is... There's a lot of Fox theaters around this country. It's really... That's really nice that we're going to be there, though, because when my in my early 20s and my first sort of rock touring... The Fox is one of the first clubs I ever played in Colorado. Oh, nice! That's awesome. So I guess it'll be fun to do full circle. We must be doing like a radio thing or something. That's a great. It's a, that that uh, um, that, there's on a great street too. There's a bunch of cool oh, bars dude, and restaurants a, around. There's stuff. a great record store right across the street. Yeah, where I remember the last time I went there, uh, we weren't playing the Fox, but we were in Boulder, mm-hmm. and uh, I went down. To, it's like this sub record right. store. Yeah, and uh, I was just really heavy into my Dave Matthews thing. Right. So I like I I was on a kick that month or two. Every time I went into a story, because you know, there's always crazy shit hanging on the walls. Yeah, and totally. I was like, hey, man, you got anything? Um, I said, you got anything like with pentagrams or evil or occult <laughs> or anything with Dave Matthews? And <laughs> those are the two things. And he didn't have anything he could give me, but he did have, uh, I guess, Dave Matthews before Under the Table and Dreaming came out, did an in store at his, oh, at his place. That's cool. So he, he had all these pictures of Dave Matthews from like 1993. Wow. And then he talked. He told me this crazy story about David Gray did an in store, and Dave Matthews was a huge David Gray fan. Mm-hmm. So David Gray came as a fan to the in store. Oh wow! Because I guess they were they were nearby touring. Wait, and so he, David Gray came to the David. So Dave Matthews played an in store. Oh, and David Gray came to it. No. Oh, opposite. And that's how they. Be, no, no. Oh my gosh. Let's let's listen. Let's work on listening. Although although I might not be telling the story well. <laughs> Dave played an in store. I'm Dave Matthews playing Dave Matthews right. songs. That's how he met this guy. Okay. Dave Matthews also concurrently is a huge David Gray fan. 
And when David Gray came to do an in-store, Dave Matthews came as a fan. Because uh, cool. the guy hit him up and said, hey, David Gray's coming. You should check it out. You're yeah. in the area. So Dave came in just just to be a fan. Just to go crash and into he had, him. And he had pictures of that day. <laughs> he had crashed right into him. That's awesome. Um, uh, Sasha, I would love to hang out with you in Boulder whenever we're there. So just for any of you guys who want to come to a show or you see that we're touring somewhere, Ethan and I love saying hi, mm-hmm. having a beer. Uh, more times than not, I've bought listeners of the show a beer. Right. Or invited them on the bus and gave them beer. So uh, just, I guess the what I usually tell people is to send me an email like the day before. Right, yeah, yeah. If, if it's like a month or two out, sometimes we can just forget or that email gets kind of lost in the shuffle. But it hit us up a day or two before. I don't currently have any upcoming tour dates per se. Um, I won't need to be this weekend at a festival in East Tennessee, but uh, I'm not really sure what I'm doing this fall yet. So, Okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks, Sasha. Last email is from, oh, it's our good friend Darren Edwards. What up, Darren? Uh, he says, hey, guys. Um, Props. Uh, props or probs? Pro- props to you both. Uh, really enjoyed the last couple of Metal Tales. Uh, Ethan, thanks for the kind words uh, in the Andy slash London episode. I met Andy the day after he did the episode. He was really happy to have done it. Great episode. Hope you guys are well. Great work on the podcast. Um, you guys are doing a killer job as always. Cheers, Darren. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, Andy, who I had on the episode, uh, who lives in London. Um, yeah, it was really cool. He also works for Warner Music mm-hmm. and was like, hey, Darren Edwards is going to be in town tomorrow. We're going to meet and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So We have a really cool. wonderful episode um, with Darren Edwards. He was in town. He lives in Sweden, uh, but he works with Warner, and so he was here doing yeah. some promo for, what's the band, uh, Native uh, Rival Sons. Rival Sons, yeah. And uh, he came to the studio. Well, first of all, I had went and had coffee with him here in Donaldson, mm-hmm. and just an amazing dude, super sweet, easy to talk to, a family man, yeah. a music lover. And then the next time he was in the States doing promo, we had him come to the studio. And That's awesome. We just had a, a yeah, really wonderful talk about the music industry. Such and, a good guy, too. I mean, And, and he uh, sends us vinyl often. Like yeah. he's, He sent us maybe two or three care packages of vinyl. I, uh, I, I'm still... Uh, he's, he's got to find the... Um, what is it? Uh, Trojan Old School Ska Reggae stuff. Trojan Record stuff. They're, oh. under, they're under the Warner umbrella. Oh, cool. He said he hooked me up some some, some of that stuff. I so. credit Darren because he, one of the records he sent me was uh, the new Alice in Chains record, yeah. Rainier Fog. And it's I, so good. I kind of have not checked any of that out and then I was in my studio one night and put that record on and I've since become a huge so fan good. of that record I had it on my turntable last night uh, anyway so thanks so much to Darren uh, he's, he's a big supporter of the show Real yeah sweet yeah dude. he's awesome man uh, okay, metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. You can write into us. We read every email personally. We read five on the show. Maybe we'll read yours. I don't know. Who knows? I can't see the future, but it's on Mars. Now we're going to leave the email corner and in a bit of an unusual left turn, and we're going to listen to Ethan's wonderful cover of Territorial Pissings. That's right. I do not like saying that song. Title. It's a weird song title, Territorial Pissings, but it's always been one of my favorite Nirvana songs off Nevermind. And uh, I kind of went, you know, I kind of went the Clint route on these covers. I went the more mellow, kind of mm-hmm. chill-ish route, but I couldn't help but throw in a uh, pretty fuzzed-out lead at the end. It's not in the original song. I just decided to make up a solo. You were just treating yourself. Just treating myself to a little candy. All right, well, check this out. This is from the upcoming, the forthcoming. Forthcoming. Cover Our World Black in Volume 3. You're going to hear a commercial for the Patreon after that. That's how you get involved. That's how you get copies of these EPs. And uh, then we're going to have a conversation with our friend Dan Cantor. That's right. All right, peace.
It's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more! After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in north dakota somewhere we want to hear from you since ethan and i started metal up your podcast we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories well this is it to make yourself eligible for a future or past metal tales episode please consider joining us on patreon for five dollars a month you not only get to come on the show as a guest you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. Well, here we are with our friend Dan Cantor, who just got off a plane, I'm told, and... Uh, yes. Thanks for being here with us today, man. It's, yeah, it's good to finally have you on the show. Right on. Thank you, guys. It's, it's an honor to finally be on the show. And uh, I just want to say before we start, I know I texted you guys this, but thank you so much for all you do. You know, I didn't think it was possible to love Metallica or know more about Metallica, but you guys have like you know been my tour guide through rediscovering my favorite band. And this weekend in Copenhagen, there were so many moments during the show where I was like laughing in my head at you guys, you know, like during Frantic when they're going, da, 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 da. And, uh, you know, and the Cookie Monster voice. And I yeah. felt 
I felt all of the Metal Up family in the stadium, like laughing together. We're all in on the inside jokes. So. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. awesome. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Well, what a wonderful compliment. I've said it before, and I'll reiterate it here again in case the boys listen. Uh, we'll, we're expecting that fruit basket any day. Yeah, I would love it. Right? I would love a picnic basket all, too. All I ask, it's very little, is residuals on load and reload sales starting yeah. in, <laughs> starting in 2017, and a fruit basket. That's all. <laughs> That's something, something, something Clint and I can take to the park and then spread a blanket out and have a nice afternoon together. So, Dan, oh we want to hear yes. all about the Copenhagen gig, of course. And uh, we, yep. know, we know you got to spend some time with Lars after the gig, too. But mm -hmm. so people who are hearing this part of the interview will already sort of heard a little bit about your career, what yep. you're up to. Uh, cool. th thanks again for uh, the tickets to the Julia Michaels show. I mean, that was such of a course. treat for me being a songwriter. She's sort of at the top of the game right now. But let's right? talk about yeah. you because it, it'll come as a surprise to maybe some um, – it might come as a surprise that you're a big Metallica cat with your resume. Yeah. So yes. so let's let's kind of start at the beginning, though, when you're just a kiddo because you're yes. a bitching guitar player, too, even though you do a lot of <laughs> pop music. I got Thank to, I, I actually do, I actually got to see Dan come out on on his first song with the Zach Wild Les Paul, yeah, doing all the doing all the rock moves we've been studying since we were kids, right? And and probably about 0.1 percent of the crowd you were playing to on that tour knew that guitar. That's true. Yeah. Probably. They're like, right? wow, that's the yeah. Zach Wild signature guitar, isn't it? A bunch yeah. of Pink fans. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Zach. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, so where does it where does it happen for you? You're in Toronto. You're a kid. You, is your, was your family musical? What, what's the deal? Yeah. Well, I grew up I grew up actually in Ottawa, Canada, the capital of Canada. And um, my dad directs musical theater. So all the Canadian productions of like Phantom and Les Mis, uh, my dad directs. And wow. so I grew up, you know, on those musicals. Also, he was like a Bob Dylan and Beatles fanatic. And uh, I was really into Michael Jackson as a kid. And same then, you know, then grunge happened. And I was, you know, I heard one once the first song on 10 and I went home and ripped down all my new kids and Michael posters. <laughs> and I was never the same. And uh, and that kind of got me into Nirvana. And uh, and then I, I wanted more. So that's when I got into like Guns N' Roses and Metallica. And I always loved the grunge stuff, but I got more into like as I started playing guitar. Um, I played piano when I was like five. I took classical piano my whole life, but I got a guitar like when I was when right when like grunge started. So you know Pearl Jam, who I still love in Nirvana. Like I wanted to get more into like more technical stuff, and and then Metallica was just like opened the floodgates for that. As they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got on board with them. Uh, you know, black album and then went backwards. Um, and uh, I, I've never stopped loving them. All the, I'm mean, sure, like you guys, all the different phases and obsessions. Metallica has always been that constant. Yeah, man. Um, you know, yeah, but, um, but that's kind of, so I was playing in bands and things like that in high school. And, um, but because I guess, you know, I would go to all these musicals, I always sort of saw the bigger picture of the show. So um, I started working as a, a session guitar player and the pop artists, you know, that I was working with, I was helping them with the live arrangements and doing musical direction. But I, I really started getting into like, you know, even in high school, I was like, we need to add a hit here because there's going to be pyro. And my friends would be like, you idiot, we're playing the cafeteria. <laughs> but, you know, um, so, so yeah, I was musical directing, pop artists and i've done that i guess you already said you know for singers like ariana grande and sean mendez and 
And Bieber, I actually played in his band and toured as, as uh, his guitar player as well for a while. And, um, and that sort of just extended to what I'm doing now, which is um, mentoring young pop artists. I'm helping them with things like working the stage, speaking to the audience, uh, overseeing creative things like lighting and wardrobe and screen content. And my niche right now seems to be like young green artists. And, yeah. you know, I think for, for myself and I'm sure like you guys, you know, I grew up, you know, playing where, you know, my grandparents were the only people in the audience. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of singers these days who have a hit or get discovered, all of a sudden they've got to play on an arena stage and they've never carried a Marshall stack up two flights <laughs> of stairs before. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of come in and do this like boot camp and, um, you know, for the metal like for the Metallica fans out there, I, I really borrow a lot from Metallica, you know, things with the arrangements, like I'll go into a, a work with a band and they'll sort, you know, I hate when a band's like this song is called this and then the song's over and they're like, this next song is called this. And I'll show them how, like, you know, like when we, before, um, for, before bells, when Lars just goes right into the kick and like, that's a perfect way to like make a segue, yeah. you know, it's a no brainer, but people, I guess don't do that. So, you know, things like when Kirk is doing all that noise, and it's all distracting. So James could go switch guitars and set up for, you know, fade or sanitarium. And then, you know, the light goes off Kirk and then James appears in the light. And it's, you know, it actually is very theatrical, even though it's still heavy metal. Absolutely. And I don't think a lot of people quite realize when they're going to a Metallica show that there, there is this much thought put in when it comes to what the band's doing in between songs, what James is saying to the crowd and how it totally. relates to pyro video lighting but that's also that's also part of the magic of it too is you don't really want that shit to be noticeable yeah it should sort of be seamless right i do i am getting a kick out of the visual in my head of you with a whistle having julia michaels carry marshall half stacks up and down (laughs) stage up and down arena stairs come on julia go go go. come on (laughs) right that's so funny it's a big job it's a big job though because in addition to even everything you named you're also making sure the band's up the scratch right you're making sure they're playing the right arrangements so and even even when you're rocking out on stage which i've seen you're also having to listen to everything because i'm sure that on on gigs at the levels that you've done them you're always refining you always have notes you want it to be better this hit worked that hit didn't this transition could be better so it's it's a pretty involved gig it is. And on things like, you know, on a, on a big pop gig, if we add a hit or move something, we have to let all the departments, the video, the pyro, you know, we have to let everyone know. And with Bieber, we would watch almost like game tapes. You know, we would watch the show after and pick it apart and critique it. And, uh, you know, just things like getting water, you know, like I always would joke that like I never saw Michael Jackson drink water. It's like Jack Bauer never pees, you know? Um, <laughs> right. And so like, I, I think, it, you know, there's a moment when it's cool, like when James is drinking a beer and he throws it in the audience, like that's a thing, but yeah. you don't really see James like before he starts Sandman being like one second and he reaches down and, you know, opens a bottle cap, you know? So just things like that, that I don't think the audience would pick apart, but just things that they, that happens that makes it smoother, I guess. Right. You know? and, and it's, you know, in, in relation to like, you, you know, theater, those kind of little details at a, a big rock show or Metallica show, Julia Michaels show. Um, those are the things in a theater setting would be happening literally like behind the curtain as the lights are coming down, you're running off stage. I mean, it's, you're, like you said, it's very similar. It's stuff that 
like Clint said, you don't really want the audience to see. You want it to be seamless, and it it, it, yeah. it provides for the whole experience of the entire show. Let me tell you guys about seamless. There is a point in the Metallica <laughs> show, and I saw this with my own fucking eyes because I was right by Kirk, where he pees. He he has a whole moment where he comes and and all the um, stage security people come and stand in front of him like a barricade. Yeah, and he urinates. He urinated maybe I don't know four feet from me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Isn't that amazing? And in that's that, amazing. And, and in that same spot, he also seamlessly gets a back rub. And, oh, Dan, <laughs> on Dan, a table. Uh, they brought out yeah. a gurney and he laid on it and got a massage. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Uh, is that? Are you serious? Yes, no, no. I yes. swear to God. Mid show, we, we. I mean, we were right there. I'm impressed with those guys. You know, they're that, that their their work is more physically demanding than like Charlie Watts. I mean, no disrespect to the Stones, but I mean, you know, those are demanding parts and big stages to move around. Yeah. And, you know, well, and yeah. just the style of music that it is too. I mean, it's very physical. Very I mean, the athletic. Stones, exactly. as long as like Mick Jagger can kind of dance, they'll be okay. Yeah. He still dances great. Oh, dude. he does. I'm saying, oh my like, God, yeah. If it that got... Instagram video of him practicing dancing was unbelievable. Totally. But even yeah. if it came to a point where he was like, I can't move like that anymore. I got to kind of hold a little more still. As long as he can still get something out of his mouth, that show will still be fine. Everyone's going to stand there. But with Metallica, totally. it's like they're they're. I mean, they're still running around the, uh, all over the stage. It's a massive stage. Got that big catwalk. I mean, there's a lot of ground to cover on that stage, and it's a great no scene. So, Dan, I wanted to ask you something because I thought about this. I didn't have an opportunity to we've, – we've been able to hang out a little bit with some of their lighting directors and their techs. Uh, it, it's clear to me, right, that they had someone come in and produce their show, right? It, because they have all these segues now. Like the yes. Unforgiven intro is new, and they're, they're using different stems, which is very much like that's what we do in our show. I don't know if Need to Breathe exactly. does that, Ethan, but yeah, you, ha you have someone who builds content for yeah. segues and stuff. So Metallica's obviously hired somebody to do that, right? Definitely hired somebody to do that. Do you know yeah. do you know if they're based out of the Bay Area or is it some big company? I'm not sure who they work with, you know, but it seemed like especially the stadium show, it's the most sort of production that I've seen as far as like segues and the intros and things like that. Um, and it was great, you know, the the content, like the stuff that's on the screens is uh is very expensive to create. And so they, there's definitely, I'm sure, you know, Lars is all over it cause he's all over everything. Right. Um, but there's like a creative team uh, working on that show. And I, I think, have they been doing Unforgiven at every single, I think they have yeah, right, yeah. on the stadium tour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to not look at the set list before my show, just cause I right. like it to be as much of a surprise as possible. And just for some context uh, for what Dan's saying, when, when he talks about that content, everything you see on the screens is made by someone who's either part of their team or who's hired out. Right. I, I know yes. that I know that just at our level, where we we sell anywhere from two to three thousand tickets a show, that I think the content for each of our songs has different content on our video wall. Right. I think for each one, it's like I think it's like three grand. It's not wow. cheap. I mean, because you have you have someone that's in graphic design and does video work, editing, um, working all... with your video director or your video and lighting guy. I know even when I, when I was still uh, touring with Kings of Leon, I mean, we would have like production days where they're seeing all this content on the video screens for the mm -hmm. first time. And it, that's kind of like the last chance, like, okay, let's change that to do this a little differently, whatever, fine tune yeah. it at the very last minute. But that's usually a lot of times, at least in my experience, the band is seeing it like during. Oh yeah. Production we see it, we rehearsals. see it in rehearsals. Like, Oh, that's cool. Or they'll integrate our music videos into the content. And all right. that exactly. Stuff. It's cool yeah, to see Metallica doing that. I like it. And I think too, I mean, this is just me picking it apart. I think it works for the entertainment value, but I think it also is a way to give them a break to, you know, go get some water or pee in a gurney or whatever they have to do. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we did that like, you know, on Bieber, it was always 
like where is the costume change so we always had to be creative and i mean being the musical director it was easy for me to just do a long guitar solo and shred while he changed but like <laughs> you know at some point like there has to be thought into you know if james needs to sit down or or just whatever the case may be you know it's, it's, a, it's a long show it's kind of dicey when the lead guitar player is the md because you because <laughs> i'm the music director for my gig too and it's like you get to decide who does solos right like, yeah I'll right. take this one. Uh, you can have that one that I don't really like as much. I'll take the big long outro one. Right. Uh, and bass player, totally. no solos for you. We don't have to camp out in Beavertown a long time, but I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that he actually is a Metallica fan. Yes, of course. Well, Bieber grew up in a small town outside of Toronto where like classic rock rules, you know, that we have this band, the Tragically Hip and yep. Rush. And I mean, there's no everyone it's in, you know, their musical fabric. And Bieber's dad, um, was a big classic rock fan uh, and rock fan. So Bieber, like he, he was exposed to a lot of that rock music and he'd always surprise me that, you know, even though he loves boys to men and things like that, he, and he, uh, he knew so many, <laughs> he knew so many random rock songs, like even like weird, like deeper kind of like singer songwriter songs, like fast car, you know, like mm, why does yeah. he know all the lyrics to fast car? Cause his parents listen to fast. Yeah, car. Yeah. Is that Tracy, um, Tracy Chapman? Tracy Chapman, Chapman yeah. yeah. So, so he knew, like, I don't know why of all the songs. I think his dad learned the intro to Fade to Black at one point on guitar. And um, Justin, like, I, I would always play, you know, backstage. And him and I would do these, like, 30-minute warm-up sessions backstage with my acoustic where, you know, we'd do scales and things like that. And one of the things we'd always do is I would loop the, you know, play Fade to Black and he would hum the intro solo and <laughs> cool. uh, i think at some point someone videoed it because it's on it must have been our dj who was always you know exploiting stuff for youtube and uh and he um so there's a video out there on youtube of, of bieber saying <laughs> fade to black yeah like, that's how we solo. actually that's how we actually connected with dan because i think dan became a patron or, some, or wrote an email and another listener actually wrote in and said hey that i think that's this guy and yeah. sent us that video <laughs> yeah so of course, Ethan and I in the early stages of the podcast were like, "Holy shit! Wow! Okay." All well, right. and it's it's also you know a bit surprising to a lot of fans that maybe don't listen to a lot of pop music that some of those artists will be fans of heavy metal. Um, yes, it's it's I think for the general public of heavy metal fans, it's easy for them to see a picture of maybe him or a Selena Gomez or whoever wearing like a Ride the Lightning shirt and be like, "Oh, you poser!" You know, thinking, "Oh, there's no way they even know one track off that record," but. As you know, you have explained, it's it is surprising sometimes when you find out guys like Bieber well, are Metallica yeah, fans. And Daniel- yeah, and Justin Justin wears like he has an incredible. I mean, I collect metal. I'm a big vintage Metallica collector, like of shirts pre '94. Um, and Bieber would, <laughs> sorry, Clint, so and and, yeah. and Bieber, Bieber would show up with like you know an original like Damage Incorporated mm-hmm. shirt, you know, because he can do that. His stylist gets him it, and but he's wearing it legitimately, so I respect yeah. that. You so know? is he trying? Um, were you guys trying to one up each other on uh, on your collection? Oh, is that post? Oh, that's post at eighty seven, dude. That's the guy that'd be older. Seriously, there was this. At some point, like Justin used to wear like, you know, purple and he'd wear these leather suits with zippers. Like, I don't know why so many zippers, you know, like I keep, <laughs> I, I keep my stash in there. But he um, and then at one point, like he started wearing all these rock shirts and wearing like flannels, like basically how I've been dressing since 1992. <laughs> right. And uh, and I remember like showing up at Ellen just last minute. He want, they were we were going to like go out and just sing on her couch. Um like not even like an actual musical guest. Like we were just going to walk out and sing on her couch and I show up there and Bieber's in a Metallica shirt and I'm in 
my uh, Nevermind shirt. And I said to the team, I'm like, oh, one sec, I'm going to go change into like a plain black shirt. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, that's the style now. And I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> it, isn't, it, isn't it a great feeling when, when, when the this, this style, this style that's in the time actually catches up to you? It's either a good feeling or it's like, damn it. My, yeah. my thing's ruined. Well, then you got to go find your yearbook. Like my yearbook picture, I'm wearing a vintage Justice for All tour shirt, a damaged uh, Justice shirt. And it's nice. like, this is proof that A, I'm legit. And it's also the explanation for why I was single and my, uh, <laughs> couldn't get laid in high school. I got to find this and maybe scan it and put it on our socials. But in my uh, junior high yearbook, there's two pictures of me outside your normal class photo. One, they used to do these lunchtime activities, you know, where like, there's one where it's like, I'm on a skateboard with a plunger trying to race this dude, mm-hmm. and I'm in a Sabbath True shirt. Oh. And then there's another one where they do nice. this whole segment, or a little page on all the twins at school, because I've got a twin sister. And it's a picture of me and her, and she's looking all cute and like, you know, like Southern California. And it's me sitting there with my arms folded, wearing a shirt with a giant anarchy logo on it. Anarchy, <laughs> dad. Anarchy in the seventh grade, Take that, dad. dad. Well, Dan, you know this about us, man. We we're, we we love like the depth of music, and I think it's really cool yeah. that Justin's into Metallica. That was a bonding point for you guys. So for you sure so was. you you moving on from a gig like Bieber, what's mm-hmm. what's what goes into that kind of decision? Was that a big deal for you? I mean, you you were pretty tight with him, right? Yeah, well, and I still am. He's still one of my closest friends, like a brother. But uh, I toured with him for about eight years, three hundred days a year, wow. and. Um, Around the same time, I mean, I had kids. I have two kids and a third one due in September. Um, and around the time that my my son was born, Zach, after Zach Wild, um, nice. <laughs> he, <laughs> he uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys know this because you tour, but I found when I was going on tour, I couldn't do anything else. And as much as I, you know, I was trying to, whether it be writing or taking on other musical direction gigs, and I really wanted to get more. Um, into having you know musical directing multiple clients rather than just musical directing Bieber. Right. And um, so at the beginning of his Purpose album, I did a whole bunch of the acoustic promo and I worked on the rehearsals. And then it was just time to send the tour, on, you know, for us to like for me to not go on tour and start musical directing other projects. Uh, and it was more conducive to like growing my business and my career, uh, but also being home more with my family. Um, and so what that looks and, like, so what you're talking about is at a certain level, the music director doesn't have to be in the band. So that means you'll exactly. like, you'll oversee production rehearsals and maybe you'll fly out to a few shows just to make sure everything's cool, but you're, yes. you're mostly not on site, right? Exactly. And, uh, and that enabled me to work with a whole bunch of different artists. And that's when I started working with Sean Mendez and some other young artists. And, and it was great, but funny enough, like when you saw me, uh, Clint with Julia, mm-hmm. um, I started directing Julia Michaels and, it was just there was no guitar in the music, and then she added a guitar, uh, a song with guitar, and I was like, "Oh well, if I'm going to be there directing, I might as well play." And it just sucked me right back in, and I realized <laughs> how much I I miss playing and touring. You know, for me, it's like you know when you're like 20 and you're like, "Oh, quit smoking when I'm 25." No, quit smoking when I'm 30. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm still kind of on the road right now <laughs> well that, that tour seemed like a lot of fun because you were opening for pink and arenas and the national show was sold out it was bitching but then on your days yeah. off you were doing your own headlining tour with julia that i think was quite yes. successful also so i know a lot of it our was a great tour it, dude it looks so fun a lot of our band guys are all songwriters and producers and we're all super into julia and we were trying to find ways <laughs> while we were on the road to try to go to some of those uh clubs uh, the club shows i know i think both of me and clint both 
were comparing tour schedules to see if either of us were in the same towns. But Because oh, the, the arena show when you're opening, even if you're direct support, is one thing. It's its own thing. It's super cool. You yes. got to go out there and earn it and fight for it. But for her, for you guys to be doing on the days off your own sold out clubs of people that are there because they're stoked about Julia, that's a whole different energy too. It's almost, I would almost prefer that, you know? I, we we did, you know, I mean, it's basically the difference between an away game and a home game. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was opening for pink was kind of just like 30 minutes of power, like wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Like go out there, high energy. But, um, yeah, to play for her fans. And I think for her too, I'm, I'm not sure if you told uh, the listeners before, but Julia is like a extremely successful songwriter and has written all these hits for millions of pop artists and then wrote a song that was too personal to give away and decided to sing it herself. And she, you know, kind of semi-reluctantly became her, her, an artist and, and started touring. And so for her... Um, you know, she was really nervous and never imagined being the one on stage. She always hid in a studio writing songs for other people. Right, and, yeah. and being on stage, playing for her audience, seeing them sing the words back for her, really like she discovered the full circle of being a songwriter. And that's why we all love live music. Like I love listening to Metallica in my headphones, but there's nothing better, you know, than being there singing Creeping Death at the top of my lungs. Right, so, exactly. You know, that's the full circle of music. It's amazing when you were telling me at the gig, I had no idea that, I mean, I knew she was primarily a songwriter, but I had no idea that she didn't have as much experience performing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed it, man. Way. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed it because she, I thought she was pretty great. But a lot of that is because you, right? You, you were kind of mentored her and helped her come out of her shell in well, her performance capacity, you, you know? Yeah, I mean, she she definitely had it in her, but uh, you know, it's it, there's nothing more scary for a singer to you know to say you know Cleveland makes some noise, right? What you know? What if they don't? What if they don't? Fears, what if they don't? Um, but you know, I I believe all audiences are like a kiss audience. Like they all want to put their hands over their head. You just have to tell them to. Yeah, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so when was the first time you ended up seeing Metallica? The first time I saw Metallica was on the poor, I think it was the poor old twisted me tour, which is, um, it was with uh, corrosion of conformity opening. Oh, nice. um, I think it was 97 in Ottawa. And I actually miss corrosion of conformity because I already had tickets to the concert. Um, and I was listening to this radio station. There was like a metal hour every Friday night and there was a contest. I was like 12 or something. There was a contest um, to call in and say one song that Metallica has covered and, uh, they would give away a pair of tickets. And I called during the week and left my, you know, my answer on the, uh, the hotline, which was stone cold crazy. And, um, and then when the woman, uh, from the Warner, from the record label called my house, um, to let me know, you know, that I won the tickets and they're going to be at the box office. I was uh, out playing hockey and my mom answered and my mom was saying, you know, I'm, my, Daniel's going with his younger brother and Metallica's favorite band. He's so excited. <laughs> and the woman from the label was like, oh, do you think he'd like to meet them? And uh, oh, my shit. mom, you know, who's like the greatest as moms would do, was like, please, please, like, this is the best offer, you know, I think it ever received. Wow. So my uh, younger brother and I actually, we missed Corrosion of Conformity because we got to go backstage 
to the meet and greet and we met James and Jason and wow. it was like, like just such a fucking dream come true. Um, especially back then. Cause it was just my dream to see them. Well, Quite and James, long, I mean, you know, was doing, still doing meet and greets back then too. I mean, he doesn't do them anymore unless you get the, you get the hardwired package, but Wow, totally. what, what a cool thing to meet him and Jason. And that was, was a, and that was such a special time for them with their I think their swagger level was at an all-time high in 1997, dude. Like yeah, they uh, I felt like they looked cool. They had a lot of confidence. And you got to meet Jason, which by now like as we all know, it's like that might have been one of the last times to do that. It's so cool. It, yeah, and Jason was like exactly how I saw him in all those movies. Mm-hmm. Like he was so friendly and nice. And, uh, you know, I'm a Jason guy. Obviously, like Cliff is the man, but I even found myself and I, you know, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Rob. And I love Rob because I, he played, you know, with Ozzy when I was in, you know, obsessed with Zach yeah. Wild. But, but I was in the snake pit in Copenhagen and, you know, the band's kind of all around you. And every time Rob would like be right in front of me, I was like, turning i was like looking for james or kirk or lars like he's just i you know i i mad respect to rob but i still you know and i'm a hired guy i'm you know i'm not like he's got the most coveted gig but he jason is my metallica bass player rob is still still a new guy to you isn't he exactly yeah but i think even he would agree with that i think he would get that and and agree with it with a legacy like metallica i mean it's i mean Jason probably felt like that for most of his career in the band. Still felt oh, like the new guy, you know, replacing 100%. Cliff. Well, they made him. Yeah, yeah they, they subjected they him to right. yeah. But I mean, totally. they, they haven't done that to Rob, but I'd imagine just with the whole 38-year legacy of Metallica, he's just got to naturally feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I talk about that with Zach Wild a lot too, you know, because he, he always tells me that playing for Ozzy is like putting on a Yankee uniform. That's his analogy. Right. You know, and he's like, everyone wants you to be Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> um, uh, Dan, and, you, you, know, just, how do you... you just sort of said that super casually. You mean every time you talk to Zach Wild, you, you homies with Zach Wild? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a name <laughs> dropper, but well, you know, it started, and you said earlier that uh, I played. Zach Wilde's Bullseye, that's like my dream guitar. And one of the reasons, like when I imagined as a kid, like wanting to play guitar, I picture the Bullseye. And uh, my wife got it for me when uh, we got engaged. I bought her, you know, her, I guess she said her dream engagement ring and she bought me my dream guitar. Wow, and, that's uh, cool. And so I played it for the first time on SNL. And, you know, there's two performances on SNL. And I played it with Bieber, and in the hour between the first performance and the second performance, I got all these tweets from metalheads being like, "Kill yourself! How oh. dare you? How dare you play a Zach Wild guitar with Justin Bieber?" Master, master. Uh, at this point in the interview, uh, we had a technical difficulty and the phone cut out. But Dan basically told a story about how when he played the Zach Wild guitar on SNL, he got a call from Zach who saw it, which was a nice treat after getting death threats from uh, metalheads. So. Back in with Dan. Here we go. Master! Master! Zach's the man. Like, he's my, you know, he's definitely my hero. That's cool. On many levels. Is his, and correct me if I'm wrong, is his bullseye a sort of tribute to the Randy Rhodes polka dot V? The sort of black and white? I know his is no. a bullseye and Randy's was polka yeah. dots. No, just some guy in LA painted it for him. And there's, like, he didn't, it started, I think his first, like, the first appearance of it is in the Miracle Man video. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's to do with Randy Rose. I, I don't know, actually. That's a good question. I've never asked him why a bullseye. But if I only think... we knew someone who knew him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <no way. laughs> Man, I, I nice. got I got to meet Zach years ago in, a, in, a, in an airport in Australia. Uh, Black yep. Level Society was on a, a traveling tour down there, Soundwave. I don't know if you ever did it, but 
was he sober or not? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, this was. Oh, nice. I'm not sure okay, what year great. he got sober. This would have been 2010, maybe 11. Yeah, so he was sober then. He nice. was cool. Like me, me and the guitar player, my oh, old band, are like we're like, dude, that's Zach Wild. We're like, <laughs> like, uh, like I'm not usually one just like run up to somebody like, hey man, unless it's like you're backstage and it's like a common area, but it's the like airport, it's an annoying place yeah. to be, anyways. But he was cool as hell, man. We we chatted for a little bit, and uh, my friend John showed him a picture of his son with his first guitar, which was like an Epiphone little mini kid's guitar with the same oh, bull, bull, bullseye on yeah. it. Oh, nice. And Zach yeah, was pretty my, stoked in that. That's wicked. He's the nicest guy, man. The first time I met I met Zach, it was in uh, Oslo, Norway. And um, I was there with Bieber, and he was playing with Ozzy. And we, we couldn't overlap for our show, so the only thing we could do was meet for breakfast before I left for the airport. And I met him at his hotel. And um, we went into, like, you know, the hotel buffet and the, um, the, the, the person working there asked for his name and room number and, to go into the buffet. And he gave, like, a, a, a diff- you know, a different name. And I was like, oh, cool. That's the name that you stay under. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, the Aussie fans. And fuck with these Bieber girls. You have to stay under a different name. What's your name? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yours. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. <laughs> and he gave me a big hug. He's the fucking man. That's, anyway. That's that, awesome. That's a good little tangent about Zach. Let's talk about dave matthews and fish and then we'll go on a real hey hey i'm glad you dan i'm glad you brought it up first because i was going to tell all of our listeners who will hate this fact that dan and i dan and i text more about dave matthews probably probably about 40 to set out my water probably about 40 to 70 percent more than we talk about metallica because dan's a massive dave fan and a massive fish cat too so it's it's fun to it's fun to talk about. I literally do not have almost anyone anymore to talk to Dave Matthews right. at the level that Dan and I can riff on it about. <laughs> right. But it's yeah. fun to have yeah, it's I fun to have deep. people like that in your life when you, you know you and I found each other and mm-hmm. this whole Metallica thing started. Uh, but I mean, yeah, when there's a certain band that's like it's a specific fan base. Yeah. You know, you can't just mm-hmm. walk down the street and just talk to anybody at the at the depth you guys are talking about Dave Matthews. Dan, what do you think whether it's Dave Matthews or Fish or Metallica? What do you think about this idea? Like, do you think it's all nostalgia because it's of a certain time when we were coming of age, learning to play music, playing in our first bands, or or is it a combination of that? Because, I mean, to me, it just seems yeah. like the music still holds up. I love Dave's new record. I love Hardwired to Self Destruct. So, yeah, well, I I love Dave's new record. There was an, an, as well, and there was a, a period kind of in the last decade where I kind of didn't love his new stuff and it was more nostalgic and the same thing with Metallica. Like I really, I mean, I know we'll talk about this later, but I, I really disliked St. Anger. I actually like it more now because of you guys and just the importance of it in the whole history of their canon. But, and, but um, there was a period where I, you know, I went to all those St. Anger tour shows and it was only nostalgic, but then, you know, everything changed with death magnetic for me and uh, hardwired. And I think, you know, I love them as much now. Currently, it's not just nostalgia, like yeah. exactly what you said. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. I feel the same way. I, I definitely, yeah. my love for Metallica has grown doing the show, especially, yeah. and, I, and I think Hardwired has a lot to do with it. I think so too. I mean, that, that was the initial excitement because that, that only came out six weeks before we launched this podcast. Yeah. So wow, that's that, crazy. the timing of that was perfect. And just the fact that Clint and I have to research so much stuff or look up videos or quotes or whatever. And, yeah. Or, or sit down and just listen to a record all the way through. It's like, I mean, we've listened to Metallica more in the last two and a half years than we have in most of our life. You I, know? I think about yeah. and research Metallica every day of my life now, <laughs> which is a little, you know mo- little more than I bargained for, but it's still rad. But right now, it's so exciting to be a Metallica fan. They're not just touring 
once in a while, like, you know, a Pearl Jam or Stones. Like, Metallica is, like, a new album. They're on tour. They're doing the symphony. You know, they've got their, you know, I, I got their whis- the, the whiskey. There's so much going on. And yeah. I, I, you know, your podcast for me is a big part of that for sure. Oh, but, man, uh, thank it's, you. It's great oh. being a Metallica fan right now. Every it day really is, man. News. I was yeah. explaining to some of my tour mates who they, they kind of like Metallica. They're aware of the podcast. They listen sometimes because they like you and I even. Right. Um, well, that's good. <laughs> but I was trying to explain the significance of like they're selling out stadiums in Europe after touring. They've already toured Europe. Yeah. So they, yes. <laughs> so, so Dan, like your experience of playing big, massive shows like that. If you're on the business side of that, you're probably hoping to get 18 months total of that kind of tickets. To do it for three years is pretty fucking crazy, it's, it's, man. And, and, it's, and those stadiums aren't just like like small size stadiums, like a minor no. league baseball stadium. I mean, I mean there's some, what was that one, like 70,000 tickets or well, something? Well, Berlin and then Sling Castle. And... Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, insane, right? I know. I saw them once in Quebec. There was like 130,000 people there. It was wow. insane. Jeez. But, you know, I think for them, I mean, Metallica more than I, I think a lot of music like you know more than even pop music um is is the most you know it's, it's global on such a massive scale so they could go anywhere in the world and sell out a stadium i right, think right um and i think also you know I, I, it's it's so smart how they you know just for the sustainability of themselves i mean they could probably do all the dates in six months but right. they you know for their sanity they you know take so many breaks and um, I actually, you know, I think about that all the time. And it's something I always wanted to do is, you know, introduce Justin and Metallica, you know, because I think like going on the road for 18 months nonstop is, uh, you know, it takes its toll on someone. And oh, yeah. I think these guys similar. I mean, I know, Clint, you do and Ethan, you guys do like the weekend warrior things and you guys are back in the city on the weekdays and mm-hmm. what that what that does uh, for your psyche compared to just being gone i mean i've done it for you know two years straight and uh um you know so i think that's obviously why their tours take so long as well but um it it, i think it seems like they're happier than ever like i've never seen james and lars so happy and giving each other looks and where i was in the snake pit you know anytime james was in the front of the snake pit he'd completely turn around just to lock in with lars for some of the hits yeah and like they were laughing at each other and it was like you know they they just figured it out and thank god they have because it doesn't look like they're going anywhere yeah totally man <laughs> i like the point yeah. you were making too about someone like justin who just worked so fucking hard i mean by the way that's how you get to be someone like him is you have to work that hard yeah yeah totally. i don't think people yes. i don't think people can appreciate that at at some level but there is a lot that artists like justin or whomever can learn from a model like metallica's because yeah. i think they only do 50 shows a year and they were known wow. as the road dogs you know oh yeah i mean oh up until God. i mean i don't even know when they even on the uh, poor touring me tour i don't even know if they were even doing the two weeks on two weeks off thing back then i don't think they started doing that until after after saint anger after yeah after, yeah, after rehab yeah, yeah. yeah post rehab yeah so definitely totally. magnetic and hardwired so i mean so every other all eight other albums they're they're hitting it real hard especially back in real the late, late 80s early 90s yeah. it was no joke man there was so many black album shows so many justice shows Man, speak, yeah, speaking crazy. of that, I just watched that Bob Dylan. Have you seen this, Dan, the, the Rolling Thunder Review documentary? I haven't watched it yet, but it's one of my favorite Dylan eras. Woo! I'm dying to see it. Is it good? Yeah, I just, it's I just, good. I just, I just added it to my, uh, to my list Well, on it's Netflix. so far out. I mean, it's really wild. Yeah. It's yeah. very Dylan, if you kind of, especially 70s Dylan, like the records around there, like Desire and uh, stuff. And, Desire, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Blood on the Tracks. Blood yeah. on the Tracks, all that great 70s stuff, because yeah. he quit touring yeah. for a long time. Right. 
he put this crazy yes. band together and then he's like wearing kabuki makeup yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really wild the violin chick right that's on. touring with him like carried a sword the whole time and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um but it made me think about him because i think in the 80s when he started touring again he's basically toured over 100 dates a year ever since then he, ca- since. Yeah. he calls his tour the never-ending tour, the never-ending yeah. tour. exactly and yeah guys it's wild right i know but for him i guess it works he's like a true road dog and uh yeah, I go see him a lot. It's always hit or miss, you know. He's definitely yeah. changed. I've heard, it's, yeah. It's awesome to see, you know, just to see him in person. He's such My a legend. friend Bob Schneider and I were joking about like cuz I've seen him a few times too and like he'll just he'll set up, he'll play all piano all night. And he'll yeah. and he'll set up far stage right. His whole band's like on the rest of the stage. He's far stage <laughs> right, but with his back to the band. <laughs> so <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> so weird. Which right? anyone else? A word to the audience. Yeah, anyone else? It's like you dick. But with Dylan, you're like that's so you're fucking like, that's baller. So Dylan, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so Dylan. Only he can pull yeah. it off. All right, so now it, another little D- Dave Matthews factoid. You actually missed the Toronto show to go to this Copenhagen gig, right? Correct. So that's dedication because we know what a big Dave fan you are. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen both bands. I've seen Dave probably more than like 50, 60 times. Metallica, I've seen maybe like 20 times now or something. How many times have you seen Fish? Oh, 107. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow, dude, that's amazing. Um, But... But Fish, there's an app for it, you know, that like you pu- you enter every show and it pumps out all these stats. It's very easy to because you're because because when a band like Fish and to a similar but maybe lesser extent with Dave, you're chasing yes. songs. You're hundred percent. You're trying to like catch all, songs you've never seen. Right. Yeah. So. It took me fifty shows to hear my favorite song. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, I was happy to miss. You know, Dave is like I go every summer, but this Copenhagen thing. Um, I, I love Copenhagen. It's one of my favorite cities in the entire world on so many levels. And, uh, this restaurant there, a famous restaurant called Noma, um, which I I've been with my wife and I've been a couple times, but my younger brother for his 30th birthday, um, I wanted to take him on a brother trip and we have, you know, our, our third baby's due in two months and it was just Congrats, perfect timing. by the way. Thank you. Yeah, um, it was perfect timing to take him to, you know, one of my favorite cities and take him out for like amazing food. And of course, see like, you know, Metallica is our favorite band together, you right. know, and it was it. We haven't seen Metallica together in a while. And it was really special to share with him. And like, you know, there was one point we watched all those like, you know, year and a half in my parents basement dreaming of being on stage. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just like arm in arm singing nothing else matters together saying open legs for a different view you know like it just brought me back like 30 40 years 30 years it's crazy yeah man was that like something james used to do was that like a variation he would put in he go open legs yeah Yeah. (laughs) that was a that was a very different that was not pop ahead such a different time that was was james with a z yeah exactly totally and and he and i always hit you know and it goes landmine there's that boom after yeah. landmine and we just uh we fist that like we pump our fist so hard for that part that's that's, that's, that's your that's anyway. your theater background coming out right? <laughs> yeah right yeah the sun will come out landmine <laughs> jazz hands yeah. uh nice man that's so cool that you got to share that with your brother's snake pit and of course i'm sure there was a little bit of a different energy in the air too with it being the homecoming show for lars yeah big time big time yeah it's lars land for sure he was like posting all these pics around the city on instagram and i was i was tempted to fall you know to try to chase them down because you know where some of that shit is like i did when i was a teenager yeah Yeah. (laughs) well so tell us about the tell us about the gig well the gig was awesome uh it it was super huge uh i was really 
I've never seen them in a stadium. I've seen a lot of shows, like massive shows in like a field. You know, I was at Bonnaroo and I was at those big um, like outside lands and outdoor um, at the Quebec City one. But this is the first time I've seen them in a giant stadium. I saw them on this tour in Munich and I love the arena tour. But mm -hmm. um, man, the stadium tour, like to see those big screens in person, it's really well done. Like I was super up close and it was great, but... You know, anytime I would kind of walk to the back to get a beer, any seat, you know, even in a giant stadium is, is a great seat for them. And that show is enormous. The set list, the set list was fucking awesome. You know, I, I love wherever I may roam and, you know, all the, but it was nice to hear, you know, ride the lightning. Like that was, yeah, such a, I, and again, like, I don't look, I try not to look at the set list so I can be surprised. Um, or God that failed. Like when yeah. that started, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. God that failed. You know, well, that's so cool random. that you haven't, you haven't been looking at the set list because I mean, it's, it's now kind of common knowledge, which of the rotating slots are. And you know, the God that failed will be there every other show or every three shows or something. Or so you didn't know yeah. there, you didn't know there was a St. Anger song coming. No. Wow. And you know, I, it's kind of like, like, I, I didn't know, I don't know if I'm having a boy or a girl to me. A set list are the same thing. I love the surprise. <laughs> a set list um, reveal party for Dan Campbell. You know, I love that, that moment when a song kicks in, but um, yeah, and it was great. And also like for me, I mean, I'm, you know, as I be, get to becoming an old man, my, my biggest concern in the middle of 80,000 people is when and how am I going to pee? Absolutely. And, <laughs> totally. You know, that's so a, that's I, a real, that's a real struggle, man. That's real shit. I know. And I think about that when I used to do the big shows and there'd be kids in the front all day. And I'm like, how do you guys pee? Or do you just not drink water and hydrate and pee? Like I'm turning into Larry David. You know, <laughs> peeing well, so I ran to pee, unfortunately, uh, during Clover, but I think, that was the right choice. And then the doodle thing happened right after. And it was the right decision if I was going to miss something. Uh, even though I love Clover, that, that was... That's a know, tough but, one to miss, man. But anyway, but it's a lot of people. Like being in the snake pit, being in the center of it all was, was so cool. And with them all around, like there was points where James was running by giving high fives to people, like being like, hey, hey. And you could like hear him off the microphone. Nah, cool. He was so close. Uh, it was really awesome man i love that band so much one show is never enough oh you're correct it's not i mean I, i've only seen five and i mean even after the nashville show which was which was our last of this tour mm -hmm. was like uh, oh my god i want more i want more of this i want to do this totally, again you right? know and i tried to get to another one at the louisville show but it didn't work out with my tour schedule but yeah uh, man it's it, it, they're just one of those bands that and even with the production show we we're talking about earlier and, and all the transitions and video content it's it's not just like oh, I'm watching Metallica play their songs. It's a whole experience. It's like it's like you're watching a live production movie of something, you know, like of, yes. of that scale, you know. And uh, there's also the angle too of like sharing it with all the other fans, right? Because the, yeah. the history of the band and what the songs have meant to so many people for so long. Yeah, yeah, it is the best feeling being in a city, you know, like kind of in the area, having some wine before beers before the show and everyone it's like, but you know, when I go to a Gateful Dead show and it's just like fucking tie dye everywhere, seeing everyone <laughs> with Metallica. And I have, when I went to Quebec city, uh, years ago, I, I know I'm jumping around here, but for, <laughs> for that, uh, Quebec city show, um, I was having like lunch at this like quaint cafe with my wife 
uh, you know, down this like cobblestone street. And there were other people at the restaurant, but like, who knew if they were fans? And then like in the distance, this like church bell went off and it went bing and everyone kind of giggled like it was bells. <laughs> you know, and I was the like, whole oh, was going, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, it was like such a great feeling. So yeah, it was. So I mean, seeing a show with that many people, like the energy is just fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. man. Well, so how yeah. did it come to be that you got to spend some time with Lars after the gig? <laughs> with Lars. Well, you just oh got to gosh. call my friend Zach real quick and he set it up. Zach, have Lars uh, page me, please. Thanks. You know, yeah, that was such a, a dream come true hanging with him. And I have uh, kind of the, the long short of it is um, I, I know the people at Q Prime quite well just from, um, you know, when I when my son was born, they sent like they knew I was a Metallica fan and they sent me like a Metallica baby shirt for him. And, cool. you know, nice. I was like, I kind of hooked them up with Bieber meet and greets and they would hook me up with Metallica tickets all the time. Um, and like really nice relationship and we'd go back and forth. And so they went, you know, so they hooked me up when my brother with the snake that passes. And uh, when I go to a Metallica show, they give me um, like, there's like this VIP room that has an open bar, I guess, for all the guests. Yeah, we've been uh, in there. And yeah. You've been with there. And that great dude, Justin, do you remember him? He's got a mohawk. He's like the bartender. Did you meet him? Uh, I remember seeing you remember that them? dude. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Uh, we were kind of in there chatting with a couple of friends. So we didn't really get to meet anybody that was a part of the tour. Per so se. that's his, that's his like job on tour is hosting the VIP like, yeah. guests in that room and stuff. And so, you know, I was, I was kind of go in there and I'll, you know, for some drinks and um, I, I know that the people from this restaurant in Noma where I've been quite a bit and um, in, Co in Copenhagen and one of the sommeliers there is a good friend of mine and is also a good friend of Lars. And after the show, we were in the VIP room having drinks and there was this like other VIP room. Uh, I guess that was just for Lars's guests. And the sommelier just grabbed my brother and me and brought us into the other room. Wow. And so I walked in there and, it was, you know, 1 a.m. at this point. And, uh, and then I, I started, it was, there were only maybe five people, five, six people in the room besides us. And um, I started having a really lovely conversation with Lars's wife. And um, Lars's son, Miles, was there. And we have some mutual friends because I, um, I work with, I played a, a bunch with Bob Weir who, from the Grateful Dead who lives yeah. in the Bay Area. And uh, Miles, Lars' son, goes to school with Bob's kids. So, oh, okay, cool. You know, we were having like a really nice conversation, and then fuck, like 15 minutes later, Lars walked in with a toothpick in his mouth, and <laughs> of it was like, <laughs> it was just unbelievable. You know, I I love Lars so much, and uh, it was such a dream come true. And and when I meet someone like that, like I I do not try to act cool. I just I always just be myself. Yeah, you, and, you have to. Uh, you know, yeah, and like you know, we were having like a funny, we were having like a whole long conversation about music and things like that. And he was asking me all about drummers, you know. And I was saying like, for me, when I hire a pop drummer, like a lot of the drummers that I work with have like you know, super chops, and they come from like a gospel background. But I need someone who can also, you know, play like you because you're my favorite drummer of all time. <laughs> Hell yeah! You know? What do you say to that? <laughs> Give me a hug. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. You know, I don't care. Um, so, yeah, it was really cool, and we talked about a bunch of stuff. Um, what did we talk about? I'm man, I'm to... sure he really appreciated that because it, he's the he's the most popular metal drummer of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, and yes. he, and yet underappreciated has had the whole trope of being given shit 
kind of he's like the Ringo of metal. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's like right? people, and like people, and so someone like you who knows his shit, I'm sure that really does mean a lot to him. When you're like, dude, the way you play is so special, and it created this this the you know unique singular sound of Metallica. Yeah. that a session oh, yeah. chops guy simply couldn't do. Right. Totally. And I mean, just like Ringo, a lot of those, you know, the Lars build are, are so musical and, you know, they're like, make you want to air drum them, right? Like all those sad, but true drum fills. Yes, like, I absolutely. Mean, you know, come on, like any other band, like I love Pantera and I love, you know, but man, no one writes fills and parts like Lars. I think they're so musical. Totally agree. It's true, um, man. You know, no, you're, um, you're, go ahead. I was going to say, you're <laughs> right about like his drum fills. You want to air drum them. They're, they are musical to me, they're, they're, a lot of his drum parts are just as catchy as a guitar riff or as a vocal or a melody, you know, where at points in the yeah. show, like you can sing out his drum parts, you know, or even like you could, I could mouth something to you, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking uh, about when you say that, when you course. mouth that kind of stuff, which, which is a, a true testament to, to the talent of that dude and his arrangement skills and his, his thought yeah. process and writing drum parts. I'm, Absolutely. I'm similar to you too, Dan, like. I, I don't know if I'll ever meet these people again. So being cool is not a priority for me. It's really important to me to let them know <laughs> how grateful and thankful I am for the work they did. Right. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I have no problem doing that and just, you know, yeah, being myself. And I was like that with Lars and, uh, and his family. It was, it was really, really exciting. I, I still can't believe that's a great experience, happened. man, especially cause you weren't expecting it too. it kind of happened after the show. You think, yeah. well, let's have some drinks, say hi to a friend, and then we'll bounce. But all of a sudden, you, you know, your friend's like, yo, come in here. You got to Yeah, and, and it's true. And, like, I, I really, you know, I, I when I was a kid, I waited by buses. And I, you know, now it's I, – I, I honestly feel like it's, it's – even though I, I, I think, you know, I know they're just people, I still fucking worship these guys. You know, right. it's like – you know, it's like when I meet a hockey player, right? You know, like I – and there's no one I worship more. Like there's no bigger rock star for rock stars for me than Metallica. Uh, and yeah, it was it was so exciting. I still can't believe it. It's a lot to come down from. I mean, yeah. you, you pretty much just got home, right? I mean, like you're still sort of yeah. I just got home riding that and, wave. Uh, totally, it was really exciting. And uh, yeah, and I've met like it's super cool to have met you know James and Jason and now uh, and now Lars. I met James a second time. Uh, fuck, it's actually a crazy. Um, I don't know if we should get into it, but anyway, <laughs> I think <laughs> you just I'm, did. Am I talking too much? No, 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 no. I'd like to hear about no, you but, meeting uh, James. My uh, the second time I, I met James, I was in um, I was work. Bieber and I were doing like a TV show acoustic in Paris, and the next day we had a day off, and Metallica was doing that TV show the next day uh, with uh, like for the Lulu of all things. Wow, ah. and um. And at the t at that time, like James was not no one they weren't doing meet and greets, um, or again James specifically, and uh, they really didn't want guests at the TV show. You know, when it, they were very private at this time, and I think this was even before the packages, and uh, you know the meet and greet packages. And um, I asked someone from Universal France who knew I was obsessed uh, with Metallica. This guy named Thomas. Um, he actually added me to the Universal Music employee list to come Ooh. to the TV show. And I basically like tagged along as if I was working for Universal Music. Um, You're like a spy. You know, undercover. <laughs> uh, and so when James did his like obligatory 
uh, meet and greet uh, with you, with the label. Um, this guy Thomas and I were were there, and I got to have another. I took a picture with James, and you know, very quickly, as you said, Clint, like told him how much I love him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why and, is uh, this guy from the label said, telling me this? <laughs> and uh, yeah, right. And uh, but it's it's uh, it's kind of got a sad ending because this guy Thomas um, from the label. He was one of the people uh, working with Eagles of Death Metal in Paris when oh, that attack no. happened, uh, and I, and he was shot and killed. So it's uh, that picture is like really special for me because wow. Thomas is like in the background behind James and I, and you know I have that picture on my wall, of course. And every yeah. time I look at it, it's like, oh my god, it's Fuck, so tough. So it's so tough as performers too to have to worry and think about that, like especially in the in the industry that I work in. In Vegas a couple of years ago, uh, or I think it was last year. No years, way. Were ago. you playing there? I wasn't there, but literally like, all oh. my friends I were. I had a bunch of people that were working that wow. festival. And, but, yeah. even, but even, and just the ripple effect of that, uh, and we don't have to camp out on this dark note, but even the I ripple know, effect, know, we, were, we were playing a festival this weekend, and uh, I was hanging out with our guitar tech kind of by the side of the stage, and there was a woman asking the security guard if, if she was safe. Like it was overheard wow. their combo, and she was basically saying, do you security guards have guns? And he was like, not really. What's everything okay? And she was like, well, you know, Las Vegas, are we safe here? I'm like, God damn. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, it's like something that, you know, as now as concert goers and, and, and performers, you have, yeah. you just think about, it. I, mean, I remember the day that happened. It was the same day Tom Petty died. Yeah. Right. I, I was at, really? I, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was, well, I, wo- I woke up to that. Ha- oh, I'm sorry. The news broke the, that he the, was sick, the, or that he. Well, the- sorry, the news broke about Vegas. The Vegas thing happened the night before, and the news really broke yeah. the next morning. And then that day, Tom Petty died. Wow. So oh, I guess it was the day crazy. after, technically. But I remember. I mean, and I'm sure if you were on the road at this time, this would happen too. I mean, our our venue security guy at the time, we were at Red Rocks, massively open venue. Yeah. And we yeah. had we had a gnarly security meeting for like an hour that day about like exit strategies and if this kind of stuff happens because oh. we were doing a bunch of outdoor stuff that year. Yeah. You know, and and it's it, really kind of since Dime was killed too. Like, if you can really totally. kind of trace it back to that yeah. club gig, where was that yep. in Ohio? Somewhere that was in Ohio. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damage plan. Yeah. Damage plan. Words out of my mouth. That yeah. was in Toledo, I think, or something. I don't remember. It was in a, oh yeah. It was in a smaller either. city in Ohio. Yeah. Well, it is cool yeah. that you got that picture and you can kind of remember Thomas in that way. Yeah, that's cool. It's sort yeah. of tethered to you meeting one of your heroes. I mean, that's awesome. Was James? Oh, uh, was James? Did he receive your? Uh, you're lauding well. Was he cool about it? Yeah, he was super cool. You know, I mean, he, yeah, he made like, he looked me in the eyes and he, I, I think for sure, you know, I, I, uh, and then, you know, and then the first time too, like when I was 12, I did the same thing and I, you know, I could barely speak and you, you know, and it was, it <laughs> was great. <laughs> yeah, James, I love you. Play black in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it'd be Fixer. Yeah. They, they do not want to hear me well, say that. Of course, for you, it'd be Fixer. Hey, my name's Clay. Can you play Fixer? You think maybe you guys could play it or Sandman later? <laughs> I <laughs> hope they play Fixer at the Symphony for for you. Clay. I know. I'm oh I'm kind God. of hope. I'm sending all my I'm 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 making offerings to the metal gods that they'll <laughs> they'll dust. It would be a great debut of that song. Everyone's got to admit that. It really would. Yeah. It'd be a dope yeah. debut. I'm with you, yeah. All right, so Dan, we want to be sensitive to your time, and uh, but we actually have some okay. patrons that want to hear from you. They have some questions for you. Are you cool to answer some questions? Yeah, of course. That's awesome. Okay. First one's from James Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> Please give me Zach Wilde's telephone number. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Lewis Lima asks, what is your favorite Metallica song? Oh, man. Um, my favorite Metallica song... <sighs> 
if I had to pick one, it would be one. It would be Creeping Death. Yeah. Um, but right behind it would be Blackened and One. Nice. I think those like, are all... my favorites. You know, yeah. my favorite. Yeah, that's you know, those are my favorites. My favorite deep cut is probably like Damage Inc. Nice. Yeah. Solid yeah. choices. Well, I know you told me that your two favorite uh, Met records are Justice and Lightning, and we're going to do a Metal Madness duking it out to see which is the best song on those two records. Yeah. And we're doing it. We don't normally do this, way, but we're matching it song for song. Oh, wow, like, that's oh, a good like, idea. Like track order by yeah, track it's gonna order? Be, yeah, it's yeah. going to be Fight Fire versus Black, and how tough is that going to be? Damn it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's tough, yeah. All I right. mean, I, I got an answer, but it's tough. Well, for that, <laughs> for that one, it's black. But we don't have to jump in now. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Stan Pearl <laughs> asks, what's your songwriting process like specifically with how you come up with lyrics? And have you drawn inspiration from Metallica in any of your songs? That's a great question. Um, my process, I, I have... Um, I have, I mean, probably like you guys, I, I have like a, in my, I used to have it in, a, in like a journal. Now I have it just in the notes on my phone and I'm just constantly wherever I am writing down lyric ideas, whether that's just like a synopsis for a song or it's uh, like a little phrase. And I try to be, I actually try to, to pra- I practice being mindful, you know, in my regular life, but especially as a songwriter, I try in, in moments when I'm somewhere to look around and be observant and, and look at where I am from a songwriter's perspective. And um, a big thing is it's coming up with titles. And um, James does that too. You know, a lot of the songs, he'll come up with a great title and then that will sort of inform what the song is about. Do you guys do that as well? I, I have the title. I have done that where I've, I've just randomly thought of something. I'm like, that would make, make a really good song title. And then that, could in turn kind of inspire the lyrics or the subject or where you exactly. want to go with the lyrics. But yeah, I've, I've definitely done yeah, that. Yeah. I, 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 when I write here in my studio, I'm more of on the track side. So I don't really, it, my song starts with a musical. So whoever's yeah. doing a top line or a lyric will kind of have a premise. And I'm, yeah. I'm always just down to write anything. So I'm, I always feel like I'm never worried. We're not going to get something. If no one has something like that. Right. I just feel like yeah. you can talk for an hour and figure out something you want to do that day. Uh, I yeah, did. Right. I did know that James does that, and then sort of engineers from the top down when he yeah. has a cool, like the Judas Kiss. What could that be? You right. Know? Yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of times I'll go into a, a, a gig, like a, a session with a pop artist, and I'll have you know ten ideas to throw at them and, and see what they think. But then we end up just like shooting the shit for thirty minutes. Right. Something from that conversation, you know, yeah. ends up being the song. Yeah. Do you feel? Do you feel a unique pressure, um, or maybe in the opposite way, the pressure's off when you? are around great songwriters like Julia Michaels or do you, do you really feel like you have to be on top of your game or is, or are you so friendly and cool there and you helped her in her career so much that it's really easy to be creative with her? Well, someone like her, I mean, she just, she just runs with it. So I end up focusing more on the, on the music side of things than the lyrical side of things. But um, what she's so good at and what I try to do with some of the younger artists that I work with is, um, you know, she knows I'll tell her a feeling and she just like perfectly puts it into words. And, and that is her expertise. That's it's cool. not just, you know, it's, 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 she just like, you know, it's unbelievable how she does it. I, I'm, I'm in awe of, of the way she writes. Yeah. Okay. Lauren Singh asks, and before yeah. I ask her a question, um, are you doing a master's in musicology? Why would um, you? I wa- I, w- I was doing a master's okay. in musicology, but I, I put it on hold. So she's she's looked, she's studied up on you, dude, because I didn't even know you were doing <laughs> wow, that. That's so, she, so she asks, what type of classes were you taking in the courses, 
Is it more music theory or psychology based? What kind of advantage do you think a graduate degree in this field would bring to future aspiring musicians? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I was studying, I went to university and I did a degree in classical composition and analysis. And, um, and then I, I went on to start my master's and I was actually doing it, um, with a focus on Bob Dylan, go figure. And, um, what I was really always interested in, uh, academically was not just the music, but how music works with society. You know, why would someone write that Jimi Hendrix's electric guitar version of the Star Spangled Banner was an actual protest against this. Like it reflected the sounds of the war in Vietnam, you know, Mm. that that's what musicology is. So, you know, I always, there was a point after high school where I was debating going somewhere like Berkeley or the school of GIT in LA, but that was, you know, that would really just to be like a shredder. And I knew that I could, you know, practice piano and guitar and get better as a musician just on my own and i i was really interested in the that sort of larger picture of analyzing music and history yeah what do you think about Mm -hmm. what that might bring to the table for you being a music director or a guitar player or a songwriter yeah well for me it really just kind of continued from you know with the musical theater thing thinking about music in a bigger picture and i'm you know it's not just it's like this song but why this song here and, and now and um i'm always for me it's all about the audience and so i think it just I, i'm more connected in, into like looking at it from an audience and a fan perspective than my own perspective so just always remembering that big picture and so when i'm working on an arrangement for a show it's kind of less about oh that that's a cool kick drum pattern but it's like how is like poor Jenny in the back fucking row of the 300 level. How is this kick drum pattern going to get her off, you know? Yeah, sure. Is it difficult for you to enjoy shows uh, the way you used to when you were a kid now that you, you're always sort of in that mode? Um, I, I really try to turn off my brain and not think about that. And if I, if I drink enough beer, it's easy to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I really try to turn on my brain. But the one thing that I'm very critical on is setless. Um, you know, I, I'm always like when a song starts, it's like, oh, that's perfect, perfect choice, or oh, I wouldn't have done that there. Yeah. You know, whatever. Like that's what I'm always hard on, especially in pop shows when it's the same setlist. Um, it doesn't really apply as much. You know, with actually Metallica applies in a different way because they're changing it up. So Lars really has a control of the narrative of the night. So I, you know, I I do think, I mean, I didn't know this too. Now I know I've looked back at all the set lists. And so I know what the audibles are uh, or the rotating slots are. But, um, but yeah, I think it's like, I've been joking on this current, the European stadium tour, because after they do the St. Anger slot, they do like five barn burners in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do like moth, sad puppets, bells, creeps, one. seek, creep, yeah. And, seek, yeah, and ones in there too. Yeah. And I've I've kind of gotten a kick out of that being like Lars um, apologizing for the Saint Anger slot. Like, thank you <laughs> yeah. for listening to that, guys. We're gonna make it up to you with, and play these five with twenty five minutes of just right? crushing you. You know. Yeah, I find that's a very interesting part of setless construction. You know, when I go see someone like Elton John. He, you know, he always has new albums. His new albums, for those who listen, are, are really, really good. But obviously, 99% of the audience is there to hear the hits. And so he does a really good job 
and and there's a way to do it where he'll play a bunch of hits and then he'll do like a really heartfelt introduction about what the new song is about. Maybe that new song has like ex- extra special production. Like you too does that well too. So right. yeah. maybe you don't know the song, but visually there's more to look at. So it keeps you intrigued. And they bring Elton you, John, they bring you into it, you know, bring you in. Yeah. And Alan yeah. John once did one where he played all hits and then he said, you know, I have a new album. I'm going to play some songs off it. And he played four in a row. Like he's, he's always experimented with how to do that. But, but I, I totally hear what you're saying about, you know, the, him doing that. And I, I always felt when Elvin does it, like, it's kind of like an apology and I don't like that. You know, I think it should be like, like that, that is the way to do it. And that is strategic for the sake of the audience. And I'm sure there are tons of people, like you could see the mass of people going to take a piss and getting a fresh beer when that new song starts. Right. But you know, it, it kind of in a way is an apology, but man, those five in a row, like when they, in Copenhagen, I, I know you, you guys, everyone listening probably knows this, but the drum set comes up at the tip of the, uh, of the snake pit. So they do, uh, they do, um, bells and like creep. bells and creeping down creep. and seeking to destroy yeah. up there. And that was super cool. Except that I, for my brother and I, we were so close to Lars. We were kind of at the top of the snake pit that I could hear the drums more from him. So there was like, it was like really delayed from the uh, PA. Yeah. And uh, it was like tripping out my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it may have also been the desert peyote that you ate before you walked. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. One more question before we do this metal madness. Lou Delia okay. asks, and it's a two-parter, of course. He says, what was your favorite project you've ever been a part of, either produced, written, played, or toured? Ooh, that's a good question. And everyone you've ever worked with will be listening to this yeah. answer. So. <laughs> Bieber's listening right now. Yeah. Wow, that's a tough question. Um, well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, um, I'm sorry for all this name dropping. I don't, I hate to. No, you know, dude, it's your life. Brag, it's real. But um, I guess the, the, the most recent thing like that comes to mind like that is I worked on um, – this rapper named Logic um, has he's he's great he's new he's got this song that is a, a collab with Khalid and Alessia Cara and it's called it's it's basically the song I call it it's one eight hundred but basically what one eight hundred and the rest of the number is the um, it's the suicide hotline Ooh. suicide prevention hotline number wow. and um, I was brought in to do the creative uh, and the musical direction for the performance at the uh, MTV Awards and at the Grammy Awards. Wow. And um, and so that song, um, basically what we did was we, we just plastered that number all over the stage and all over the screens. And uh, at one point, you know, we had a choir come out and all the, you know, the cliche kind of bells and whistles. But one of the things we did was we brought out all these um, survivors of, of people or parents who called this hotline and they came out on stage and stood there so proud and they were all crying and it was such a great Grammy moment. And then the next like week we got all these stats about like how the hotline numbers, like it jumped like 80% or something insane like that. Like it was really crazy. So, you know, it was really special to be a part of something so powerful. You know, I love, being a part of a song that's just like, Hey girl, I want you back. But to be part of, you know, something with, with such a message was, was really special. Yeah, wow. That's it's amazing, incredible. man. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's really cool. His last question is, was there ever a project you started and realized it wasn't for you? Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I started working with these, uh, 
I, I was a judge. The backstory is I was a I was a judge on this uh, Canadian American like Canadian Idol type show, and um, there were these three separate singers, and and they all kind of became friends over the course of the competition, and so um, I ended up trying to work with three of them and doing a girl group thing, mm. and uh, we worked really hard at it, and it just it it didn't work, and and that was great, you know, like I I learned so much from just you know. From it not working, <laughs> dude. So, that's so that true. That happens all the time. Yeah, that's I mean, so true. Yeah. Whether you're writing a song or whether you're trying to produce a track, because you, yeah, trying to get to the finish line, you learn what worked and what didn't work. If you're right. pay, if you're paying attention, hopefully, yeah, yeah. And there was that moment where I just, you know, I was like, my whole my whole heart is 100 percent into it. You know, then it's just not. I can't do it, and I had to sort of like, you know, leave it. And that that was a hard decision, but it was, you know, yeah. That was, that's a good question. It's funny that you've thank talked you. about uh, name dropping. Yeah, thanks to all the patrons, by the way, for the questions. If you want to ask yeah, any of our you. guests questions, uh, they we that's one of the many things that's we do the over there on the old Patreon. Yeah, uh, I did see an interview with The Edge once where he was being asked. He's like, you know, Bono has uh, Bill Clinton in his phone and Jay-Z and Beyonce. They're like, who's the most famous person in your phone to The Edge? And he just sort of tiredly said, Bono. <laughs> that's awesome that's so, funny. so people are asking me who the famous people i know i'm like uh me and dan Cantor text about dave matthews yeah. band <laughs> now we do a thing called metal madness where we take 16 tracks usually we take the guests two favorite metallica records we pit them against each other the best of three moves on to the next round to find out once and for all what the greatest song is between these two i had to cut a song because, Justice has nine, right? Yeah, I had I, I, I made the executive decision. You guys can, uh, I guess, veto this if you want. I went ahead and cut Escape. because I And everyone knows that I yeah. love Escape. Wait, Escape. I love Escape, too. Because it's, it's this is Lightning versus Justice. And doesn't Justice have more songs? Yeah, but Escape's not going to win, dude. So it had to go. I just figured eight, and eight versus eight, but... Well, Let's I couldn't go. think of one I'll to go cut. With you. I'll go I, with could, you. I mean, should we have? Oh cut? no, because Justice has Justice has nine. Yeah. yeah, Justice has nine, but that's okay. But I, I could, I, I wanted to keep all the ones on Justice. It's going to be a good time either way. Because it, it was okay. Yeah. Okay. Because if okay. we were going to cut something right. with Justice, it was probably going to have to either be Freight Ends or Eye of the Beholder, and I can't cut those. Yeah. Did you guys ever figure out why they don't play Escape? Like, I, just, I don't ever, think James, James likes it because James hates it. That's so crazy. Yeah, because he made that funny comment in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Well, he uh, made it. Yeah, he made it when they played it at the Orion Festival because they played oh, Lightning Ryan, in its entirety. That's where it is. Yeah. He said something yeah. like, "Oh boy, okay, don't yeah. don't say I'm it." Mixing it up. And then at one of the um, four 30th anniversary shows in 2011, yeah. Kurt and Lars start sort of jamming it, and James looks right, visi- visibly annoyed. Yeah, he looks annoyed. <laughs> Uh, and it's that's one of those so songs funny. that they wrote because they felt pressure to write something that was kind of catchy, and I think they feel like it's artistically empty. I love uh, that yeah. song. <laughs> I, I love Escape. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I, I did go ahead and cut that. I'm that's sorry. Okay. Dan. That's, that's okay. Fine. No, one of course. Had to go. That's good. Of that's course. good. So everyone knows the rules. Best of uh, three. I always say this wrong. I'm such a dummy when it comes to shit like this. Mm. We're all gonna vote, and the best, the best of three, best of three. That's yeah, right. That's okay. correct. Yeah. No, you guys, you're not a dummy. You guys speak so clearly and eloquently on your show. It's unbelievable how you guys do it. I'm so impressed. That's Even why. now, well, speaking to you, you guys, much. I'm like uh, da, 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 and I can't think of the words that I want to <laughs> say. And you guys, it just it comes so naturally. I love it. Eloquent. When I drive word, in my yeah. car. I, when I drive in my car, I'm joining the conversation, so it's really nice to actually. Speak <laughs> well, we just turn our we turn our brains <laughs> off the way you do with beer. Um, <laughs> so the best of three will win, and we actually have a jingle for this one that I'm going to usher into now. Let's take it to the metal madness Let's corner. Do it.
Okay, so as I mentioned before, we are going to be doing this track for track, minus Poor Escape had to go. Okay. Uh, and so then I ended up putting Frayed versus Dyers for the last uh, tier. Okay. So let's just leave it off and start here with Fire, fire with Fire versus <sighs> Blackened. I know what Dan's going to say. I got to go Blackened too, though. You're going to yeah, say Blackened, right? I'm going to say Blackened yeah. too. Yeah. Same. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think it's unanimous, yeah. I yeah. love Fight Fire with Fire, but I mean, Blackened. I'll tell you what I will do. I mean, this isn't really part of the game. I'll take Fight Fire over Battery, though. You would? Yeah. Huh. All you... right. Not me. No? I think I go Battery no. as well. Oh, cool. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think I take Fight Fire over Hit the Lights. Yeah. But yeah. not over Sandman. Yeah. Ooh. What about yeah. you, with Ethan, with Sandman? Sandman over what? Over Fight Fire. Fight Fire? Ooh. You know what? I'd probably take Sandman, too. I think too. I'm going to take Sandman, yeah. I never thought I'd say anything like that. <laughs> and yet be a whole different metal man. Yet we it's could true. Do a, we could do a ten against ten and do op- op- <laughs> opening tracks. Shit, or it'd be five against five. I guess. I'm really surprised at my own feelings about this. Wow. Thanks a lot, Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Okay. This one's going to be yeah. tough too. Dan is Dan is directing this episode. By Dan the way. is musically directing this. <laughs> yeah. Put right. a hit right here. Yeah. Uh, Ride the lightning versus the other titular track. Dot 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 and justice for all. Um, I'm going ride the lightning. All right, Dan. Justice. Ooh. Clint, the decision maker. The the astute Metal Up Your Podcast listener will know that I'm going to have to go with Ride the Lightning. Oh, there yeah. it is. But I love I Injustice for All so much. Of course. I love the song so much. This is the tough part. This is like you're, you're, you're presented with a plate of two of your favorite foods. You know top what? Top two. And you have to choose one. You want this Thai food or you want this sushi? Whatever. And as much as I, I, honestly, I hate to give credit to a Mustaine song. But he did have a hand in that, and it's great. And I can remember the guitar solo to Ride the Lightning. I can't really remember the solo to Injustice for All. The fast solo. Right, yeah. The fast solo, yeah, fair enough. Although when yeah. I hear it, I love it. Yeah. Kirk, get out of here. Can Kirk come in here this song? <laughs> okay, For Whom the Bell Tolls versus Eye of the Beholder. Mm-hmm. Dan, you want to go first? For me, sure, Bells. I'm going Bells. It's Bells, it's yeah. Bells yeah. Eye of the Beholder's great. Yeah. I have totally great. What I want to know is why they don't play that song. I know it's a rat song. Right? I, one of my favorite parts of that song is the straight to swung time in that song. You know, and does I just love that intro. I think that intro is so heavy. Oh, it's so so good. Okay. Ooh, the battle of the ballads. Fade to black versus one. Ooh, I'm gonna have to go one. Just for the yeah, it's, that's hard, man. That is it's tough. Hard. That's I'm a still, really tough one. I'm still thinking about it. But you know Fade what? Fade to Black is yeah. Fade to Black is so good. But Fade to, okay. it doesn't matter. You guys already said one. Let me. But let me say something that's that's mildly uh, incendiary about this. Fade to Black. You guys know how much I love Fade to Black, right? Do I have to disclaim this anymore? No, you don't. Okay, listen. <laughs> no, I know. Fade yeah. to Black almost isn't a real song. It doesn't. It, well, it doesn't have a chorus. It, there's no chorus. It's just these two verses uh-huh. and an outro and a great solo. Whereas one has this one intricate is a full intro, opus. Like, it really is oh, an yeah. opus. It's like a Genesis it's like a song. Yeah, okay. Totally, and it's yeah. like so totemic. It's like Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's getting exactly. bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Then, then my vote, I, I would have cast for one. So that's unanimous. Um. Okay. Trapped under ice versus the shortest straw. Ooh, I'm going shortest straw on this one. Dan. Shortest straw. Okay. Yeah. What would you? What would I, you I think, say? I think I would have gone. Trapped straw. under ice is awesome. A great song. I mean, I, I don't think we need to keep yeah. saying that. This song is awesome. 
We know that trapped under <laughs> rice is fucking great. But it is weird yeah. that it's really common that people put lighting way high. But right. yeah. the deep cuts are some of the least liked deep cuts. Trapped under ice, escape. Yeah. Trapped under ice and escape. Yeah. People, yeah. you know what I mean? People will yeah, take people will take these more, but they yeah. like this record more. Because the hits on it, the pound for pound ones, are just fucking right. mind blowers. All right. I, st- I, mean, I still love lighting front to back, no, of course, but... Of course, I. Yeah. Of course, please. Let's but I think I out. like, like, I like the second half of Puppets as much as I like the first half. But. Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, because but you... Creeping Death is on Ride the Light. I know. So, See, like, that yeah. almost trumps everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. And speaking of Creeping Death, and I thought this was a fitting match: Creeping Death versus Harvester of Sorrow. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I'm going Creeping Death. Yeah, yeah I think, I think it's going to be right. unanimous. Yeah, I mean, Harvester of Sorrow is, ain't, ain't right. nothing to fuck with. In yeah, the words of the no Wu-Tang Clan, Can you believe but... that they wrote Creeping Death in 1984? I know. And that it's still, it's just still one of the greatest moments of their show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 175,000 yeah. years later. Um, yeah, Battle of the Instrumentals. The Call of Cthulhu versus To Live is to Die. I'm going To Live is to Die. Ooh, man, this is, this is a tough one. I love both. Uh, I'm going to go to live is to die. What would you have said, Dan? Well, it's an easy one for me because I got the binge and purge box set and, uh, when it came out. So, you know, I watched that Seattle 89 they, show so they, much they on VHS it. Yeah. and they doodle it. So to live is to die. Okay. Sure. Unanimous. Yeah. However, but I, love them both. I love them both too. And <laughs> I think that Call of Cthulhu was the right choice for S&M opener. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Which, if, and it won a fucking Grammy. Man, could you imagine them opening the SM2 with Orion? Oh my god, oh man, it'd be so sick! It'd be so Dan. Freaking... Are you going to SM2? I can't, our, I can't. Oh, our yeah, your kid, do yeah. that week. And I wanted to go to Dave Matthews like a few nights later. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you, I asked Lars if the random song, like the deeper cuts in the set, are because they're because they're practicing them for the symphony. And he said, No, we just wanted to fucking play them. Oh, really. Yes. So that's Unforgiven uh, Three. That's No Leaf Clover. That's Disposable Heroes. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, if that's if that's the case, I mean, who knows if that's the truth or not? Well, he but might he not. That's what he said to me. Yeah, I mean, he may may not. You know, I don't know. I don't know why he would lie about it. I mean, but yeah. it might, but it might, but it might be a thing for like you know, it's just misdirection, just, or just the, the mystery of like what are they going to play? I, you know, I, I think it's entirely yeah. possible, dudes. And this this is going to bum someone out. Maybe I think it's entirely possible they're just going to play S and M. Well, I mean, no, they they did, but they did announce that like it's going to be compositions post S and M. Yeah, they're like new arrange, you know, new um, stuff that but, they, yeah. this new. But, guy, this but I new... bet it's going to be minimal, though. Maybe maybe I'd a imagine handful. The, maybe the day that never comes. Um, no, I don't even. I, I think it's going to. I think it's going to be like Halo wow. and Fire and Moth. It'll definitely be. There'll definitely be some off of Hardwired. Yeah. Oh, spit out the bone would be so Woo, good. With that would be great. Bannon, <laughs> Bannon, like those would be such good. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of all those like violin players having a okay. And the last two in round one are the Freydens of Sanity versus Dyer's Eve. I got to give it up for Dyer's Eve. Dear Mother, Dear Father, Earth, Dan. Yeah, Dyer's Eve. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going Dyer's Eve as well. Not that it makes a difference. Poser. Yeah. Always following the crowd, bro. Yeah, man. Come on, let me love man. Okay, we move on into round two. This is when it starts to get juicy. Okay. Uh oh boy, Blacken versus Ride the Lightning. Woo! <laughs> I'm, I want Dan to start this one. Blackened. 
<laughs> right away. Blacken. <laughs> Dan's, I can already tell Dan's going to try to take Blacken. I mean, Blacken versus Rise of Lightning. I mean, I'm I'm going Blacken. I got to also go Blacken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Red Lightning, but you're a badass yeah. song. But I think I know what's going to happen here too. For whom the bell tolls, cl- a classic, bona fide staple. Sure. And the one song I would elect to play with them if they asked me to, because it's the only one I know I could play without making an ass out of myself. Dan, if they bring you up on stage, you're Lars's best friend now because you guys talked about wine <laughs> in Copenhagen, and they bring you up. What's the song you're going to choose to play with them that you know you can do? That you know that's, that you can get through and, and like because we, we we know this we can all play guitar there's no problem there but, sure but but that's I'm, such I'm not a good question but I'm not talking about oh I don't know if I can play it I can play all this shit if I have the time and I have a million yeah. chances to do it I'm talking they pull you up on stage tomorrow yeah that's a good question I would play oh my god uh, I mean one I know in like one I know is like like November rain you know or like mm-hmm. stairway like I've been playing that forever but um I I love playing disposable heroes. You can rock uh, that right hand. You got that kind of right hand uh, dexterity. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've been practicing it <laughs> over the last month. I decided I would, or last three months, I wanted to play Blacken with all downstrokes. That is, so oh, I, oh, dude, I, and yeah. that's a that's a tough thing to do, man. I mean, it's easy to do, you know, alternate picking yeah. or whatever, but all downstrokes the way James does it. I mean, it's it's no joke. My hand is supposed to be. It was tough. I was getting like forearm massages because <laughs> I was fucking on a gurney. Gonna get carpal tunnel <laughs> yeah. from doing it. They will not a gurney. They will not a gurney at the Julian Michael <laughs> yeah, show. <laughs> yeah. Even, I mean, even Master of Puppets to play all downstrokes the whole song. Even the the dude. The hardest part to play downstrokes in puppets is a. That was actually. If I ever met, I have a lit. You know, all these questions. If I ever met James again, that I would ask him. And one of those questions is: I always wondered when he went away, you know, to recovery for that year, and he came back. Like for me, the first thing as a guitar player that goes is my downstrokes yeah. as far as like technical things yeah. like all my sort of chicken picking banjo licks like i can always come back to that easily but i need to take like a month of building up those downstrokes yeah man and, uh, no i wondered in that year off if he you know when he came back is that something that he you know was easy i think what do you think i know I, th- I think he had to work on it there's a um i don't know if it's the making of hardwired or the making of death magnetic but it's him in the control room with fiddleman yeah and he's mm-hmm. he's like they're testing out tones and you know because he does all his rhythm shit in the control room right and uh he's saying something like wow this one's very uh he's like this one's very down picking he's like i gotta get back in shape for down this down yeah oh wow yeah you'll hear him he's say playing, stuff. you you are a deep dude you go deep on metallica there's another clip i don't know if it's know that it's... i'm that deep or if i'm that much of a fucking loser i think it's <laughs> I think it's on the making of hardware. There's one where he's looking at Kirk and talking about some riff, and he's and and I, I love this string because I've used it forever too. Just being a punk rock fan, but he he's talking about playing all downstrokes. And he goes, "I'm just Ramones in it." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, always one of my favorite yeah, you yeah. Know, analogies of downstroking. I, because and Dan, you can appreciate this especially is like we all have a lot of lingo because this is how we have to communicate with each other as like side guys and yeah. music directors and shit. I love yep. that they never really had to learn. They have their own language. Yeah, like when yeah. when Lars talks about Inner Salmon, he's like, "Put the tail." chop that guy up and put the tail on you know what i mean yeah. he's like calling it the tail yeah totally right it's funny i know um okay yeah. well i don't know what just happened we're one we're talking about what, what song to play on stage with metallica oh yeah yeah did we oh, ever, yeah so you would choose one i think i would choose one that is yeah. that that That's is bold. ambitious ethan what you've told you said this before i right? think I, I think i may have said i chose uh from the bell tolls 
Yeah. Just yeah. because it's not much of a thinker. Yeah. As opposed to a one or a damage damage inc or whatever. And you get to experience what it's like for them with that crowd just singing I thought, everything. I thought you were gonna say with that crab walk. With, and about, the crab walk. What about on what about on drums even? On drums? Ooh, good Ooh, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um good on question. drums. I think Dude, I, I mean, I, I would love to get up there and play Orion with them. Ooh, wow! It's got a nice groove. That'd be fun. Yeah, it's super fun. It's it's not. I mean, if they pull me on stage tomorrow and 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 I was like Dire's Eve, I'd be like, shit. What I just? Why did I just say that? Did we vote yet on Bells versus One? Nope. I'm nope. Gonna, I'm gonna go one. Oh, did me we? Me too. Okay, I'm going one as well. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Bells. <laughs> Bells is so dope, but one one really is like a, an opus. I mean, it's just it's, yeah. it's just a masterpiece. Um, okay, uh, shortest straw versus creeping death. Creeping death. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go. Creeping. Yeah, that's yeah. that is tough, and I'm saying creeping death as well. Shortest straw. Yeah. it's again. If you you feel like you just like just bitch slapped your friend or something. <laughs> like, Damn it! I just left shortest straw behind. Um, to live is to die versus Dyer's Eve. Ooh. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna say God. To live is to die is so good. Um, I'm going Dyer's Eve. I'm gonna go to live is to die. I'm going Dyer's Eve. Oh, oh there yeah. we go. It's a, it's a coup. <laughs> you guys talked about this before. We did. We texted. So, on the side. So. so I'm surprised to see that the rema- out of the remaining four, there's only one lightning tune. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it. Yeah. Yeah. It did get one cut with Escape, so there was basically like. <clears throat> Nine songs versus seven songs. I shouldn't have cut Escape on 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 retrospection, but Escape, I still don't think it would make it. It, w- it wouldn't, it have, wouldn't have, have no, no. would have made it. Okay, yeah. Blackened versus One. <laughs> oh, oh, really? I'm gonna have to go One. I'll lead us off here. Um, Dan, what are you thinking, man? Well, I think I mean Blackened is one of my favorite Metallica songs, but I think One is one of the three most quintessential Metallica songs. Yeah. And uh, so just for all time's sake, for me personally, it's yeah. one. I, I'm, I'm saying one as well as a massive fan of Black and often my number one favorite song. No, but Dan's yes. right though, because think about it. It's got the it's got the great James Clean. It's got the sensitive stuff. It's got their, I mean, I still don't really understand what's happening in the classical kind of section in the top. It's, it's weird. It's yeah. like 17 yeah. guitars. Uh, Dan, do you struggle with that section? Like, what's going on? I don't even even know what they're doing, really. Not when I play it. I've never counted that that song out. That'd be interesting to actually, like, count out what's going on. But one for me, too, like, not, you know, the drum thing. Like, I practiced for, you know, in my parents' basement doing that double kick thing forever. And and the solo, like, I know people give – I don't know why people give Kurt Hammett a hard time. I love Kurt Hammett. I do, too. I love his solos. You know, I, I just, I don't get it. But anyway, but I, I love the solo to one. And when I was growing up, like one for me is like, you know, like beat it. Like that's the solo that made me want to fucking learn how to shred. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like being able to play that was like a major milestone. You know, like that's what I would break out at house parties when someone's like, play something cool. Play something crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you kidding me? You're telling me it wasn't Crash Into Me? Because that's what it was for me. <laughs> if no, it... that was in university when I'd bring a girl to my I'd say that's show. when the girl, the girl's Show like, her my lava lamp. Play me a song. Get that, get that, get that blacklight poster it's going. A, it's a glee. It's a glow-in-the-dark fucking weed, <laughs> weed leaf poster. Okay. <laughs> Creeping Death versus Dire's Eve. 
I'm going creeping death. I think I got to go creep too. Creep. Yeah. yeah we I mean, are doing was... a lot of agreeing. Yeah. So is this, is it now creep? No, Dyer's Eve is still in there. No. no. What, what's last? Creep and one. Now it's creep and one to, to decide yeah. it all once and for and all. I, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, creeping yeah. death versus one. I could see it of being. I could see it being either one versus black and or one versus creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whoo. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll lead us off and just say one because I've been inspired by Dan's passion for it. Okay, Dan. Well, creeping death is my favorite Metallica song, but I but one is the for me it's the Metallica song. Like, yeah. You know, I know I would keep talking about it, but that moment in the show when it's like it's quiet and it's like what song can be next, and then that like <laughs> the war sort of thing starts. Yeah. Like, uh, that is like almost for me as good as you know the beginning with the ah uh, ah. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <know>? yeah. <laughs> it sounded like you were doing immigrant song for a second. <laughs> ah, like that's the Led Zeppelin podcast. Oh, a terrible affair. Yeah, what's the uh, you know that Clint? Yeah, you know that. Oh yeah. The, oh, the ex- I go. still don't okay. even really know it though. Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah, the Ennio Morricone. Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow! Look, who knew? Who knew? You were such a beautiful whisperer. Oh, yeah. whisperer, or a whistler, <laughs> whistler. <laughs> no, that was me whispering. Sorry. Okay. Well, hey, there Clint, we go. I have a secret for you. One and one wins it. All right. One. Congratulations. I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like that seems like the obvious choice. But it se- it seems like the obvious choice if you ask even maybe a somewhat cash fan. But if you ask someone like, "What's the best?" Led Zeppelin song there are a mil- like I would never like the answer I think is, if I was hired by Rolling Stone magazine the answer is Stairway to Heaven absolutely you yes. know like even though that is the obvious answer like I think one is Metallica's like you know greatest I, I think there could, know, I, th- I, I, I could entertain an argument that Cashmere might be better than Stairway especially the mm-hmm. Puff Daddy version <laughs> especially <laughs> P Diddy from the Godzilla, Godzilla. soundtrack it's right yeah. <laughs> well i think also too it, it's it's hard to not get caught up in the difference between your favorite song and the best song that's what i i you agree. know like I, yeah. i've thought many times listening to one this is the greatest metallica song that yeah. they've ever written Just yeah, because or it's puppets yeah. maybe because know? it's so complicated yeah. and they they land it so well totally. and it tells that story so well like Everything about it, it works. Because the thing about Stairway to Heaven is the lyrics don't really make any sense. It doesn't really tell a cohesive story that you can sink your teeth into. Yeah. One yeah. comes with the whole, the the Donald Trumbo, the story and the film and the, this war veteran. And yeah, it, it evokes a lot of creepy atmosphere. They just, it's, it really knocks me out that they wrote a song that good. Yeah, When they were so young, yeah. too. I know. They were in their 20s when they did that. That's so insane. I know. I hate I hate knowing that. <laughs> so old. Uh, Dan, thank you so much, man, for taking the yeah, time. Dude. I know oh you gosh. just got off the plane. It's such a pleasure to finally have you on the show. We've all been friends for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah this is thank awesome. Thank you, guys. Man. This is yeah, so dude. much fun. This is all I want to do every day is talk about Metallica. <laughs> so it's well, been you, such a great time I mean, talking if you, to you guys. If you move to Nashville, you could just, be, you could just join us every week. <laughs> Nice at the red door talking about Metallica. That's right, yeah. So what's yeah. next for you? Where can people find what you're up to? What's what's going on in Dan Cantor's world other than uh, having a third child, which is awesome? Right on, thank you. I'm actually taking uh, as of August, I'm taking two months off from any work uh, for not just the new baby, but you know, chasing around my two other kids while my yeah. wife cares for our new baby. So I'm actually kind of winding things down right now, but I'm, I'm starting, uh, starting this week with a great new group called the command sisters. Okay. And, uh, they're on Instagram. They've, uh, 
they don't even have music out yet, but um, they're like literally in the in the very beginning of their career, and wow. I'm going in to do rehearsals with them. So I'm super excited about that. And uh, that's cool. Yeah, that's where I'm at. But I'm excited to take take a break. I'm I'm so bad at taking a break. Yeah, you know? me too. Just, yeah, like, yeah. This is trouble. Yeah, for sure. Well, we appreciate you, dude, and I'm sure the, Thank you guys. the uh, Metallica community at large enjoyed hearing all this stuff and your oh, insight I, I and all that. So. Yeah, what man. an honor to be on the show after all this time. I, man, I was telling my wife, I, I, I wonder how many hours I've spent listening to your voices. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than my wife has. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, much, yeah, much more. Nice. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much, dude, and uh, I hope thank our paths guys. cross again soon, man. Take care. Me too. Right on, you guys. Keep in touch. Talk soon. Ooh, yeah! What a guy. What a minch. What a Canadian. A super minch. He really is. Uh, we can't say enough great things about Dan Cantor. I mean, if, if becoming friends through the podcast and hanging out with him a few times, and Clinton's wife got to go to the show. Uh, just a, a great dude with, with such an amazing resume and, and so much he's accomplished uh, as a musician over the years. Yep, I agree. Mucho love to Dan Cantor. Thanks so much, dude. And we're going to leave you with my cover of Come As You Are, which I also tagged on some Black Sabbath Planet Caravan. Yeah. Again, cover our Black and Volume 3 drops August 1st, but you got to be a patron to get it. And uh, with that, I'll just go ahead and say peace. Adios. Come as you are As you are As I want you to be as a friend as a friend as an old enemy take your time hurry up the choice is yours don't be late take a risk as a friend as an old memory So can bleach as I want you to be as a trend, as a friend, as an old memory.